0: Two drunk Valorant, episode number fifty three, um, yeah, the the one after our one year anniversary. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and check that out. We've recover, we went over some of the, uh, you know, some noteworthy stuff that happened in the last year, but um,
1: nothing that yeah, noteworthy. here we are. Come on.
0: Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can't give ourselves that You're, much credit. You're two. You're two. Um, yeah. Face what you what
1: you drinking? I'm just like should we have taken a break or something? Like does something usually happen after the first year? You just like you know, we're just keep on chugging on.
0: Yeah, yeah pretty much. I guess In like you, you, you could just we think really of it as episode fifty
1: two, right? Like it's just an <laughs> we, an, announced, we announced an opportunity. We announced as a social
2: experiment. It was always designed to end after a year. We've collected all kinds of data on all of you.
1: hmm Yeah. All twelve of you. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm currently dying. Uh, because I'm eating a bowl of takis and I'm currently sweating and my mouth is on fire, but I can't stop eating them, oh. and I think that's the point of takis.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I hate takis with such a passion. That sounds terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ugh, I, I'm just I'm a little bitch when it comes to spice. So
0: yeah, same here. I, I so do alive. like takis though. They're uh, just so
1: good. I just my body can't handle them, but I really, really want to eat them.
0: Okay, maybe it's just me, but I feel like every other bag of Takis is significantly less spicy than, like, it's like a 50-50. Like, I get the same Takis, or, like, people in general buy the same Takis every time. Like, the one with the purple bag.
1: Yeah, that is, like, the Takis, right? Yeah, it's,
0: like, the talkie one. And then, like, there are often times where I can eat an entire bag, no problem. No, like, it feels like they're barely even spicy. And then the next time, I'm like, oh, yeah, like... Yeah, these aren't spicy, and I'll eat, like, five of them, and I'll be like, holy fuck, my mouth is on fire. I feel like they're just not consistent in their, in their like, hotness level.
1: Yeah, it just makes you want to suckle yeah. on a cow's teat.
0: <laughs> Gotta get it direct
2: from the cow. That's how it's, that's how it's yeah. really good.
1: I mean, instead of that, I, I'm, I'm drinking a close second right now, which would be the, uh, 10-barrel brewing pub beer. No. Hmm. <laughs> Cast and I were in the States the last couple of days. And so I had to bring back a couple of uh, less expensive beers because that's Not the really, best though. thing about being in the States. I don't know. The 10 barrel one was cheap as fuck. Mm. I mean, for like a, a somewhat smaller company's lager. But anyway, it's a U.S. brewery. If you guys haven't heard of 10 barrel, I don't know. They do a bunch of shit in like the action sports community. Like they sponsor a bunch of like mountain biking and skiing and events like that. Um But yeah, it's good. It's just your pretty fucking classic lager. That's why it's called pub beer.
2: So you're yeah. you're happy to be uh, you know, returning to your Ameri- American uh heritage by drinking that beer.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, drinks, I mean. it tastes like I'm drinking a course.
2: But like a good course.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I love banquet. I love Coors Banquet, so it's like very similar yeah. to that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I gotta say,
0: wait, is go is Ten Barrel the one that's like, well, I don't know if sponsored is the right word, but like connected with how? Yeah, yeah, they they, of, they have a, a specific they, beer that Victor got over the weekend.
1: It was just a specific beer, I believe. Like the mm-hmm, the Ten okay. Barrel Stout is like a co- collab with Protect Our Winters, which is a a winter charity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Hunter, what do you what do you got?
2: Well, I'm uh I'm very happy to report that I am very excited about the drinks I got lined up for the next couple weeks, including this week. The last two weeks I had really been stretching out my last alcohol purchases
0: and you know wait, wait, hold doing on. You have, and stuff. You have drinks for the next couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, dude. I, I normally go to the liquor store and I buy like I buy three like six packs or three it might be two six packs and like a bottle of liquor and then obviously i don't i don't have six beers on the podcast so that's some drinking for the rest of the week and then i have you know one thing for each podcast that's that's how i do it
1: that seems like a responsible and decent way to do your liquor shopping <laughs>
2: Thanks, thanks. The, the thing, the I thing is, I do that. <laughs> I think we know that, Cass. I think <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think
1: anyone needed more explanation.
2: See, the, the thing is that you know when I'm when I'm with my family, I just don't really feel the need to be turning up all the time. So you know, I'm gonna. I I, I used to drink a lot more than I do now. Um, it's just you know situation.
1: I'm not saying that's a bad thing.
2: Thanks, thanks. I appreciate it, but it it is much easier on my wallet this way. Then when I used to, you know, go out to the, to the bar I worked at on my days off and because I liked everyone there, just, you know, tip a whole bunch and stuff. And yeah, much easier on my wallet this way. Uh, anyway, so the first beer that I'm sipping, which I really am enjoying is the Hop Raider IPA by New Belgium. Um, this is uh, a Voodoo Ranger beer and Cass sent me a picture from going on his trip earlier this week of a, like a multi-pack of Voodoo Ranger beers. And I was like, Oh cool. And then the liquor store I went to was a a different one than I did to in the past. And it happened to have several different varieties of uh Voodoo Ranger stuff. And uh, so this is the first one that I tried and it's, it's really good. Uh, it's described somewhere, not on this one side I'm looking at, but somewhere else as an Imperial ale. And I can kind of see that it has sort of that unique bitterness to it but the flavors it's got in it are citrus stone fruit and a refreshing bitter bite and i would very much uh, agree with that description it's very very clearly indiana jones themed which is cool and it's a lot more it's a lot more tropical than i expected it would be given that the can doesn't look that tropical yeah
1: i so mean I'm, I'm loving it because we were in the states uh cast and i saw the uh that variety pack of voodoo rangers and we were like oh this is that beer that hunter loves so i i yeah. bought like the the variety pack uh and they were really good like the classic cool. voodoo ranger it was the first time i would had any of them um i know Cass oh, had awesome, had them awesome. in the past as well um, yeah. but yeah first time i had any of those the like classic voodoo ranger was like very good typical ipa like i'm mm-hmm. yeah. like if i have to describe yeah. an ipa that is the beer <laughs> Right, right. right. <laughs> um yeah. but then they had like a couple of like tropical versions of them that I thought yeah. were really good. They had like yeah. a like a surf yeah. one or like the Maui. It was something like that. Oh,
0: there was one, that was, like, Danger that one. Beach.
1: Yeah, Danger Beach. I
2: fucked
0: with that one. That one was good.
2: Yeah, the variety uh, pack you sent me a picture of Cass. I didn't really recognize those particular varieties. There was a hazy one I'd had before that I loved.
0: Yeah, the one, hazy one. Well. The hazy one was solid. um
2: They're all pretty well, solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah but the, I really like the tropical
1: like. Uh, yeah, that Danger Beach one and there is another yeah, kind Beach of more Beach tropical one. one too. Um yeah, we're a lot fruitier.
0: Yeah, I don't think I definitely didn't have all of them that were in that pack, because obviously like Chase was the one who bought that pack.
1: I don't think I had um, all of them either. I think they kind of just got drank.
0: Yeah. But. Um Yeah, that's a nice that's the nice part about being back in the States. Like you just kind of like buy beer and then it's in the fridge. And then anybody just goes and grabs a beer from the fridge, and you're not like, oh, fuck, that's five bucks right there. (laughs) Um.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I
2: I will say one more thing about my beer that isn't really related to the beer itself. I went to a website to find – to make sure I remembered what the flavors were because they're on the box but not on the can. And on this drizzly uh, page for the beer, (laughs) I just scrolled down to the community reviews, and one person is very salty in their reviews. They reviewed it one star with the comment. I wouldn't know it wasn't in stock. <laughs> so wow, they just, they're went just... Ahead and review bombed it because they were so bad they so pissed it. off they couldn't get it. yeah, <laughs> I was like that is some next level pettiness right there
0: um all right, well, I'm also drinking a beer that I got in the states. uh, I think this one's this. oh no, okay, this is a Seattle beer um, it's Elysian Brewing, contact Haze. Um, I've had some other Elysian Brewing stuff the last time when I went down to Crystal. Is, is, a... is it
1: maybe Elysian? Could be. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, why? I don't know. I, I just feel like typically, is it an S or a, or a Z? An S. I feel like, yeah, typically I would want to pronounce that Elysian, but I, I don't know if that's...
0: Could be. Nah, I don't fucking know. Um... But yeah, like I, I've had some of their other stuff before when I was in Washington, briefly prior, uh, but I hadn't seen their, their hazy. So you know, I picked it up. I went with it. It's, I don't know it, it's like a weird kind of hazy. It's like a more. It, it like somehow manages to like get the bitterness from like your standard IPA, but also putting it together with like the the suaveness and like the fruitiness that you expect from a hazy. So, like, it, it starts with that punch that, like, your IPA has, and then it finishes it off with, like, more classic hazy style. Um, Yeah, no, it, it's a really
4: cool. interesting beer. Like, it's... I don't know, I've only had one so far. I'm almost
0: done with this. I'm going to go crack another. But, like, I, I'm trying to debate where I'd rank it in my mind amongst... Like, other hazies I've tried. And, like, it's... I feel like it's above middle of the pack for sure. Like, it, it's pretty good. Um, it sounds
1: interesting. Does it say what hops are in it, or...
0: Can you, uh, can you I taste it? Find it. I I can't pull them out and be like, oh, that's what this is. So it's not um, like a like,
1: strong, like, Galaxy or Citra? No, no. If it, would... was,
0: yeah, if it was Galaxy, I'd know. Uh, so I don't think it's It'd that. probably also I, be on the can if
1: it was Galaxy. Like <laughs> That but.
0: is true. Um, yeah, they don't list their hops here. It does say that it's a, well, here's the definition, um, or the description they give. Uh, contact haze. A tangled chemistry of mild haze, low bitterness, and an explosion of hoppy aroma. Uh, bursts of bright raspberry, currant, citrus, guava, and passion fruit with a slight floral note.
1: Oh, uh, uh, I get it. It's like contact high. Oh,
0: yeah. very cool. So yeah, it's I like it's
1: saying it's either. like an IPA, but with like, you know, a slight haziness to it.
0: Yeah, interesting. I didn't get that either. Um, but yeah, I, I typically like beers that are on like the floral end. So that explains why I like this.
1: More so than the uh, than the fruity end? because i know that you you do like a lot of citrus as well.
0: Yeah, i do like i do like the fruitier end of things, but like often when i go with like one like i almost prefer the fruity aspect when it's not a citrus fruit.
2: Interesting. Yeah, okay.
0: Um like not not that i've got anything against the citrusy ones, it's just like i really like my berries. Like i like those berry flavors. Um And also, I know that we've discussed this on length, but those often come with a bit of lactose in your beer, which, despite my intestines not enjoying it, my taste buds do.
2: (laughs) That's great. It's Cass, as soon as you mentioned the Elysian, or however Chase was saying it, uh, brewing company, I thought, huh, that sounds really familiar. I I don't know if I'm remembering from earlier in the podcast, but I, I looked it up. And sure enough, when I was in the liquor store I was at this past week... I was looking at their Space Dust IPA and considering buying that one. Maybe I'll buy it. Oh, in the that's
0: future. the that's the one that I've had before.
2: Oh, cool! Now, now you that like you, that one?
0: Now that you say the name, um, yeah, I, I recognize that. The Space Dust. I think that one is a Galaxy Hop.
2: I mean, it's called Space Dust. I would think. Yeah, given yeah, the kind of name, kind of of like, I, I
0: think that's a safe assumption. Yeah, um, I was thinking the
2: same thing when I saw it in the store. I was like, I bet this is a Galaxy Hop. IPA. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Their their yeah. Space Dust IPA is kind of like their. I think that's, like, their flagship. Like, that's, like, their their main beer.
4: I see, I see. If that
0: makes sense. Um, very hoppy. Like, that is that is up there on, like, the IBUs for sure, if my memory serves.
2: Yeah, stay tuned for the next beer I have, which I think is going to also be uh, very high in the IBUs. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked it up, but from tasting it and the name, I'm sure it is. Does it
1: say double or triple in the name?
2: just uh... uh, triple okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah Um, I, I will say also when I was just doing this looking looking up about Elysian it's interesting how you know craft beer can be a very local thing but as the industry has gotten bigger there have been some bigger companies getting their paws on um, buying up or making their own craft breweries because turns out Elysian is actually owned by uh, Anheuser-Busch yeah so I was like whoa Wild. And then I'd heard earlier this week that uh, Monster Energy actually owns, like, a company that owns a bunch of different craft brewing. Really? Uh, sounds like, uh, yeah, wow. I was, I was surprised to
1: Just, hear Just uh, Just big hops getting their hands on everything. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, because... I I,
1: yeah, go ahead.
0: Like, I was going to say, I don't understand, like, why Why doesn't, like, Budweiser have a an IPA?
1: They definitely like, do.
0: a hazy. Like, what, what, like... I don't know. Well, maybe I, like, yeah, maybe I think a lot they, of it is the
2: local appeal, like sort of artisan aspect, which Budweiser could never really have. So them buying and founding craft beer companies probably I makes guess. a lot more sense for them. Or just know, okay, you know I, releasing I guess, it under a different name so that people yeah, see
1: it as, and be like, yeah. oh, what's this? Like this is a different right. brand, but really it's just Bud.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I guess what I'm saying is like, it'd be nice if like, because you know you you know you go to the you go to the like the liquor store, or the gas station, or wherever the fuck you buy beer. Um, and there's, like, those large boxes, right? In Canada, you get 24s. In the States, you can get a 30 rack. But, like, you can't get IPAs in those. Like, they don't, they just don't exist. I'm saying it'd be nice if there was, like, a stock hazy that I could go and I could buy in that, in that larger quantity. And, like, there's nothing special about it. But, like it's it's decent, gets the job done,
1: it's just like the Sierra Nevada hazy,
0: yeah, like the hazy little thing, yeah, love that beer, by the way, delicious, but yeah, just sell me that in in like a thirty rack, like I I get the i p a being
1: like an appeal thing of uh of being smaller, smaller batch, smaller can, I mean, I guess it's a larger can in a lot of places, but. <laughs> you know smaller yeah. quantity of cans
0: yeah i mean don't get me wrong like I, i'm i'm not going to give up on the craft beer scene just cuz somebody comes out and does that um like i i very much enjoy trying new beers that i haven't had before but in the same vein it'd be nice if cuz i just don't really drink lagers. like i i got nothing against them per se i just don't really like them all that much um but it would be nice if i could buy like Yeah, like when I'm back in the States um, and the Trader Joe's right across the street from my house carries the Sierra Nevada hazy little thing. That's kind of like – that's like the standard. It's like I'll always have some of those kicking around. Um, It'd be nice if you could, yeah, just go out and buy a large case of it and just have them.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I guess what we didn't tell the the listeners is that after one year, uh, we gave up on Valorant and we are only a beer podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yes that is the change
2: yeah in fact <laughs> in fact chase doesn't even know this uh cast and i voted on it since you know we only need two out of three votes but we're doing a full half of the podcast devoted to, to beer and the other half devoted to, to risk of rain too that's, oh, that's what we're oh doing wow i didn't yeah. even know
1: that you guys completely yeah uh,
2: yeah this first podcast is going to be us teaching you how to play the game <laughs> <I'm>
1: blindsided
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: all right well let's smooth over this transition here and yeah I saw somebody post something interesting on the in the Valorant subreddit earlier today, Uh, or maybe it was yesterday, on a Valorant drinking game, which I think is kind of funny because that's something that we tried to execute in the past. Yeah. To (laughs) debatable success. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: It'd be I was thinking it'd it'd be nice to get back to that one night. You know, five stack on alts, nobody really caring that much. I mean, how about you just just say unrated drinking game. That works, too.
3: Okay. <laughs>
1: Probably the best... Uh, I mean, if you're five if stacking on alts and you're all wasted, you're just giving free RR to other people. So that's fine, too. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we had, like, a large list list of rules at one point, and I feel like it was overly complicated, but...
1: All right, let's hear him. This seems very on brand.
0: Oh. Uh, well, I don't have the rules that we had back in the day at one point.
2: no, no. Yeah, I, mean, I think, I, I think I, you I, were the one who brought them to the table, Cass. I,
0: I, mean, I, I was. I'm saying, like, I think I could find them, but, like, I mean, okay, he, here's what this guy came up with. That's what him. I was talking about the whole time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay, if you have a round with a multi-kill. Oh, the opponents you kill during That doesn't really work.
1: No, that needs oh, to is be this, a... Is for like a custom? This is oh, a custom. Yeah, you'd have to be in a custom. Oh, so then there, there's an idea. Let's get a yeah. custom.
0: This would have to be the custom, but if you have a round with multi-kill, with a multi-kill, the the opponents you kill have to drink. Um, If your team loses a round, drink. If the other team gets a flawless, drink twice. Uh, If Mm. the other team gets a thrifty, drink three times. Uh, If someone aces, losing team finishes their drink. Um, If you you lose a 1v1 clutch, drink. Uh, If you win a 1v2 clutch, the losers drink three times. Um, if you win a one v three, four, or five, the losing team finishes their drinks. Uh, if you get a kill with your alt or an op, you have to drink once for every kill.
4: But <laughs> <laughs> if you get a if you get
1: a multi kill with an op,
0: no, no. If you get a kill with your alt or with an op,
1: so oh you, you get you punished drink.
2: for being cringe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: Wait, can we can we back up just a second to uh mm-hmm. if you if you win a 1v what 3 4 5?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, never mind. I'm I'm just I'm just trying to figure out the uh, the difference between that and and aces, but yeah, it makes sense.
2: Yeah, I I will say that uh I think this suffers from the exact same problem with our former rules, which is that it's way too complicated incredibly complicated like, yeah like it <laughs> sounds really cool but no one's gonna remember these rules especially being... once you do two of them yeah
1: like <laughs> finish your drink right. once and then you're gonna
2: be like i don't know what the fuck's going on
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. you'll be like oh there was a multi-kill and it was with an ult and uh it was in a 1v2 clutch <laughs> situation and therefore you drink three times and i drink and was a four times and those cancel each other out so you end up
2: with yeah, a, a yeah. <laughs> and all, but it, yeah. Yeah. I
3: don't
1: know. I feel yeah. like they just have a lot of stacking, but I don't. I don't know if you were done. If there were more.
0: No, no, that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was done.
2: Yeah, because like if you if you get a raise if you get a you know, if you use a raise alt to get two kills, and then you kill one more person, and then that was off to also a part of the thrifty round win for your team then you would have to drink two drinks, to the two people you killed, the three people you killed would have to drink. And then their entire team would have to finish their drinks. Like that's, yeah. that's a lot of things going on at once. There.
0: I mean, like, I guess the simplified way to do it would be if you die, drink.
3: But yeah, that's like I mean,
0: a bit, that's like a bit boring, you know? Like, well, I, I think,
2: I, I think the I, ace and thrifty could still be in there.
0: Okay. Yeah, you can have the Ace and the Thrifty in there. Um, I don't know. I like the... I, I feel I like... I like the idea of, like, assigning drinks when, like, you did something good that we had in our original rules. Oh, set. that
2: was cool. That was cool. I did Like, I that. like
0: the idea of being able to tell somebody else to drink.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I I like maybe a, if you lose a gunfight to a weaker weapon... Monetarily wise mm-hmm. um like you know drink more that could be an interesting rule,
3: yeah, mm-hmm.
1: but yeah, it's kind of hard so because how do you make it interesting without be being too uh... mm. yeah, you just drink, but then yeah, that's kind of bullshit.
0: Alts being, yeah. you know, free and all.
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like they um, wouldn't count monetarily. No cost doesn't compare with cost.
0: Yeah. Right, classic.
1: There's a difference. Okay. There's
2: alt point I, yeah, cost. Yeah, sorry. That's no. A...
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. There yeah, is alt point Alt, point, alt cost. point cost doesn't... It's apples to oranges with credits. That's a much better way to yeah. say it.
0: Yeah. A bit of a sidebar here. I think it'd be cool if there was an agent who's... It's, it's not like you have to charge up their alt, and then, like you get something once it's charged. I think it'd be cool if there was an agent who like, you know, you get alt points the same way every other agent does, but you can do stuff with your alt points. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. You can like spend them not all at once,
0: but like, yeah, on... exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, like okay. you could,
2: I think this was an idea that you brought up a long
1: time ago on a podcast, mm. at least something very similar. Right. That. And I, I really like it. I, I wish that there was yeah. an agent that kind of did something different with their alt points.
3: Mm hmm.
0: Like I don't yeah, I don't know what a good yeah. idea is, but like like I I think it'd be cool if it wasn't just like uh oh I'm gonna charge up my alt until I have it and then once I have it I'm gonna use it and then it's gone. I think it'd be yeah, cool that, if there was like yeah. a you know, kind of like a, a tug of war aspect between your alt points that like you're you're managing along with your standard economy.
2: Yeah, that really resonates with me because uh I've been playing a lot of XCOM 2 lately. And so this reference may go over a lot of people's might not be something that people are familiar with immediately, but uh there's a character in that game who's like a hybrid uh like magician sorcerer, like mind sorcerer plus like uh sword uh swordsman. And so like as they get kills, they basically gain magic power and like each magic move uses a certain amount of that power that they've accumulated from kills so there's that tug of war that you're saying of like you know do I want to hold on to this I can spend one point for some things I might need all of it for a different thing so yeah that I think that'd be really cool if they brought that to Valor
1: yeah or like you know you could cast the ultimate and it has increasing levels of power based on the amount of ult points you have at that time
2: yeah Mm-hmm. Like, it may be... that with one point does, like, classic damage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something like that, <laughs> you know? Five classic bullets with it. Just with scope. Or,
1: like, you know, think of Breach ult, but the amount of time they're stunned or the size of the stun area yeah, is increasing with the amount of ult points that you have, up to a limit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I really like that. I think that'd be really cool.
0: Like, now, okay, obviously Chamber's... Alt here is a bit too strong for that, but like to take the idea, it's like if you get if you just get one shot in your alt per alt point you have. Now obviously it's too strong, right? There's a reason mm-hmm. why it costs eight alt points instead of five, but like
2: I mean, you yeah, can also say that three is the minimum to get one shot.
0: So I guess yeah, okay, that, okay. That I, I I guess you could say that, but yeah, like yeah, no, I I, I think it'd be interesting if you could like have a stockpile of, of alt points that you can use. Yeah. Or, like, in the same way that, like, Astra uses her stars. Like, what if there was an agent who, like, used alt points to do stuff? You know? That'd be cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like, kind of a mix between it not it not being an ultimate ability, even, like, the same kind of
4: one-and-done style, but more like yeah. just a general piece of utility.
3: Yeah.
0: All right, but Hunter, I think you had a a, a topic for today that you wanted to discuss.
2: Yeah, uh, I I do. Um, this is something that I'm announcing with some amount of trepidation. You know, it's uh, it says something when you have friends that you can trust to uh, reveal that you know something's changing about who you are as a person. Oh no. <clears throat> Something is, uh, something core to your identity is, uh, you know, not true anymore. And, uh, thankfully I can trust you guys, uh, with this one. After a full year of the podcast, and it even went beyond that, uh, I am officially considering myself a Neon main and not a Yoru main now. I am no longer a Yoru main officially.
1: Wow. I mean, it has been a minute since you played Yoru. Yeah. And you know, I've been noticing yeah. I've been noticing a lot more that you you're picking up the Neon and mm-hmm. uh I don't think I've seen you play Yoru in a couple
2: of weeks at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's with some sadness to admit this, however, uh, you know, since <laughs> liking Yoru has been a good third of my personality on the podcast. However, uh I'm really enjoying Neon. Um the the uh The biggest thing with Neon is that, first of all, I find her incredibly fun to play with the speed and allowing her to pull off aggressive stuff that no one else can, which is kind of my play style. Um, But also one of the biggest things is that I think Yoru is much more dependent on team coordination. And given that we don't necessarily, us three, don't always play the same agents it's not really feasible for us to get super coordinated even amongst us three with how we're using utility for site hits and stuff and then when you throw in randoms in the mix as well it gets even worse uh, and so it's not only dependent on me finding setups that work but also dependent on me finding a way to use that within the team and it can just lead to a lot of inconsistency whereas with neon go fast zoom into site <laughs> That that produces value basically all of the time and coordinating with utility to have someone flash first or follow you after you slide like that's way easier to pull off. It's just way easier to, you know, have that uh, bull charging into sight, literally that true duelist role as neon. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've just I've just made the decision. Now, I, I really wish is, I really wish you would have told us this prior because, you know,
1: I would have bought some champagne. Some shit <laughs> Maybe some, like, oh God. some party oh God. poppers <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, at least, you know, had some kind of celebration for the fact you wouldn't be playing you anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen his neon. I don't know how much better it is. No. Oh, um. oh,
4: there's
2: some <laughs> shots. Fired. Holy heck. Got to pull up some stats right now, see if I can justify myself.
0: <laughs> I've seen a lot of the, uh, the the slide out from cover, and not track the target at all and just get wrecked.
1: <laughs> I mean that's hard because you know you're sliding.
2: But mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of you peeking with headhunter and dying like it
0: happens. <laughs> well, been there. Yeah, done
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: Uh, but you yeah, know I I like Neon. Mhm. Not really a fan of yours kit, but like I think Neon's cool. Um I think Neon's got, like, a pretty high skill ceiling, though, which is not, like, a good or a bad thing. But, like... Yeah. Like, I I think it's really cool that Neon has, like, a bunch of movement mechanic shenanigans. And, like, Jesus fucking Christ, when there's a Neon just bunny-hopping at me, my aim goes potato. Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, anyone moving, and especially a Neon, then, I guess for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like... Like, if the person isn't standing there shooting back at me... I can't hit them. Uh, it's
1: funny. Like, they just
0: become, like, Neo from The Matrix. They just dodge all my fucking bullets. But, well, like...
1: I mean, if you weren't paying attention, that is only one letter
2: off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> the N is actually the uh, English version of making a word feminine. So, Neo and Neon <laughs> is the female version.
0: Mm. Yeah, like there, I've seen some, I've seen some neons with some pretty disgusting movement mechanics, but I've also seen a lot of neons just feed.
4: Like, I feel like she, to a certain extent, lacks initiative, if that makes sense. Um, uh-huh. that most other girls have, like.
0: I feel like it's a lot harder for Neon to just get shit done on her own utility.
2: No, Neon's a dive. Yeah. Well, Neon is a dive, but the, but the thing is that the wall and the stun cover a lot of situations. Because if someone is peeking you from a... If you are expecting someone to be peeking you from a long angle, you can wall to come to either just run down to a different area or you can wall and then slow walk for a bit and then really come out in a spot where they're not expecting. And then if someone's playing close, you can chuck a stun on them. And then I
0: I guess I'm just thinking of like this, um, this game where we're playing on breeze and there was a neon on the other team. And now admittedly, the neon was on defense in this half. So you'll her dive ability is not being showcased here. But, like, the number of times it's, like, I knew she was flanking because she'd trigger my uh, my chamber trap or whatever, and she was just kind of stuck back there, and I'm holding the angle with an op, and there wasn't a lot she could do about it.
3: I mean, well, I she mean, could there, very quickly shop, not flank. Right?
0: I get, huh?
2: I assume you're holding shop, right?
0: Um... I'm
2: breezed? Is that the scenario no. you're fixed, This
0: happened a lot when I was holding B window with an AWP on attack.
2: Oh, oh, well, in that case,
0: it's like, yeah, she you, could, you wall, can just, you can just can run all the way around. Yeah. 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 Know, she tried using her wall, but like, uh, yeah, there were just a lot of times where it's like, I had, like, I had the neon stuck and I knew I had the neon stuck. And it's like, there's no way for you to bounce a stun over to where I am. Uh, like well, that's not where you getting...
2: wall so you can get closer, stun so you don't peek yeah. while running, and then stun again once you're close enough to hit it. That does right. require a full investment of the kit, but
4: yeah.
1: I also just see the neon as the least likely to get stuck in that scenario. Yeah, because neon is fast and therefore the least stuck
2: anywhere on the map. Yeah, and the most likely to make you miss your op shot if you just sprints and slides.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't miss op shots, Hunter.
2: Yeah, oh, happens. yo! Yeah, I certainly don't have any clips of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely not.
1: Yeah, we certainly didn't just get shit on in the game.
2: <laughs> Involved. Yeah, I didn't, I op didn't op have the money to
0: buy an op. op. We're getting shit yeah, on. Yeah, yeah I, you I, had. You had an op a few at least one chamber I, I had an yeah. op one round because the rays bought it. Why are rays on attack? Bought an op. I could not tell you. But she did, and then died. So I picked it up. There you have it. Um, but yeah, no, I did not have hot money that entire game. That was a brutal game. But no, I, I going back to the original thing, I, I fully support the change to Neon. Um, thank thank it you. It makes it Lately, more difficult to get flashes into our team comp.
4: But, yeah. but I support the change. It's nice.
0: Well, it's very nice when I don't have to be the entry
3: because
0: mm-hmm. i don't want to entry <laughs> um, <laughs> so having somebody else on the team who's yeah playing dive is great because that allows me it, it gives me more freedom like especially like when i'm when i do pick jet instead of chamber to not have to be the dive
2: yeah yeah i was i was going through and kind of like looking map by map and seeing how this affects like I had several months ago I'd written down like what are the agents I want to play on each map so I can really be thoughtful yeah. about this. And so I went back and like updated, I was looking at updating that. And the maps where I really like playing Neon and have had it and had enough success to really make me decide to go all the way with maining her, are Pearl Fracture and Haven, where I feel she is just great. And then um the two that are really like up in the air at this point, because I used to play Yoru a lot on these, and now and I haven't necessarily had great success filling on these, are uh, Ascent and Bind. Um, Bind used to be my big Yoru map. Maybe I'll still play him some on there. I'm not sure. And then Ascent. I've just been kind of getting wrecked on Ascent lately, including before this podcast. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with that one. And then Breeze, still going to play Viper, maybe mix in some Harbor. And Icebox. I just feel like Reyna is just so much fun on Icebox. So I'm not sure if Neon's going to beat out Reyna for my Icebox main, but we'll have to see. Now
1: I'm interested in obviously yes, you're having a lot of fun on Neon and so therefore the Neon becomes a lot more into your, you know, map pool or agent pool. But yeah. what has made you then fall back off the Yoru? Is it just like there ain't room for the both of us or
2: Yeah, it's really really what it is is that um it can be frustrating as yoru when you know your plays aren't working out and the team coordination isn't going all that well because i feel like even if you're not pulling off the fla- the fanciest flash tp plays you can still have a lot of value if you're able to coordinate well with your team but if you send your decoy into site first and people get flashed and then no one follows you into site or if you like you know fake tp and then peek with flash and no one else like there's all kinds of things you can do as yoru That, like, you know, if your team isn't there helping you, if you're not coordinating all that effectively, you're kind of screwed. Whereas with Neon, I can wall up and I can charge in and often get kills and just kind of, you know, uh, lead that push on my own. Like, there have been several times when we've been playing together, and because of my incredible speed, I've managed to make it into site well before anyone else, get one or two kills, and now the site is ours. Which, that would happen sometimes with a TP in with Yoru, but you know, without team coordination, there's a lot more times when I just TP in and die.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, without team coordination, it also sometimes me making a bad play. I don't want to say it seemed like all of my deaths are due to team coordination, but um, I feel like there's a lot less required for Neon to be really good at that than Yoru to be good at that in terms of what everyone is doing. So I guess, I guess to really answer your question though, it's sort of me kind of growing frustrated with Yoru in that, and then I'd always kind of wanted to try more Neon. I just had so much fun playing Neon. The uh, the slide with the SMG, with the actual like Stinger, or her best SMG in the game Alt, which I'm starting to get the hang of a little bit better. Mm. Yeah, it's just so much fun. Yeah,
0: I, I, I feel like. It, sorry, go ahead.
2: Uh, I was gonna say I understand what you're talking about with the
1: uh, you know needing to have a little bit more independence with uh, with yeah. your plays. Um And not rely so much on team coordination because I've been finding myself more recently when I'm playing Brim or or Sova or something like that and I don't have a flash mm-hmm. on me. There are often yeah. times where I'm like, shit, I can't do anything here. Like I, I need to be able to make a play or I need to be able to flash into an angle or something. And I'm just caught because yeah. I'm like, you know, I can smoke something off, but they could be anywhere there. You know, they could just say fuck your smoke and walk through it before I'm okay. able to peak the angle.
0: That's when you got to mm-hmm. bring in the ego peak.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, the ego peak is a uh, is a great strategy um never. But the the uh, <laughs> 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 um you got him. an okay strategy sometimes but definitely not for me. I can't rely on my aim. Are you fucking kidding me? Um but like I just find you know when you find yourself like on a site where, you know, your other teammates aren't there or are dead. And you're like, well, I need to be able to kind of cross this angle or peek into it. And I could be peeking into two or three people here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If I were just to peek at myself. Now, if I smoke it off, maybe I smoke off one of them and there's still another person slash two other people ready to shoot me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I flash this angle, at least I know that this angle and this angle will be cleared and I can peek those first, you know, that that kind of thing.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so well, you're going to be a
2: KO I, main is what I'm hearing. <laughs>
0: okay, now, keep in mind, I don't play flashes. But I wonder if... Okay, say I'm throwing a flash out of any of the mains, right? And I know that, like, okay, this flash flashes these angles. When you peek, should you peek one of the angles that your flash didn't cover? Or should you peek one of the angles that your flash did cover?
1: Did cover, while because not ex- I'm thinking about it, while not exposing yourself to the one no, that didn't like, cover. But
0: like, like, let's say you have to.
1: No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying, I'm saying if okay, you then you throw flash, a different flash.
0: <laughs> okay, you're you're gonna flash. We'll we'll give an example here. All right, you're gonna flash B long pearl from attacker side. All right, when you swing that,
1: this is the most cash I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> but I'm saying, like do, like, do you clear the angles that it, like, that it flashed? Assuming that you can't, like, uh, assuming that, like, you're you're going to throw a flash and you're now going to entry site. Yeah. Right? So you're pushing up. It's not like, uh, oh, I'm just going to shoulder check this and see if I flash someone. It's like, I'm going to throw this flash and I'm going to go.
2: Yeah, Cass, my philosophy with that, as someone who has probably played flashes more than anyone here, is my first responsibility when I throw the flash, is to see if I can get a kill off that flash. Because, you know, maybe they dodged it and they're not full flash. so if I check them second, the flash has expired. And then if I step out of the smoke, look where someone might be flashed, and I get shot from somewhere that wasn't flashed, then that's where hopefully my team is right behind me and they'll trade that out. So I, I almost always am looking where I expect to have someone first and then next to where
0: Okay, where I... flash person is. I know, I I can think of like a particular angle on like the reason I brought up Pearl Long is cuz I can think of a very particular angle that I often play being on top of whatever that screen area is, opping down Long. I don't know if there's an official call out for that yet, there probably is, but like standing on top of that, um the pillar very conveniently gets in the way of most agent's flashes.
2: True, true.
0: Um, so like when you try to flash out that angle, the pillar is almost always blocking that and it leaves me a sliver to op. Well you say um, almost
2: always, but I feel like breach flash, sky flash, right. and KO flash all would
0: No, KO right flash goes KO flash goes well, most KOs flash too far out. With oh, right-click. okay.
2: So that's right. Most KOs flash operator too far error out.
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an operator error, but it's just my experience with it.
3: I most see, KOs
0: right click flash too far out um so that the pillar the the pillars in the way it blocks it guys do a similar thing where their skybird goes too far around the pillar blocks it yeah rain of flash almost always gets blocked um breach flash is kind of like the lone exception to like i'm getting caught by the breach flash but yeah, I, I wonder how fun... much of that is
2: just because people are learning the map and will get better at that over yeah time.
0: maybe yeah i don't know i find that um i find that with the breach flash it's so much easier for me to just strafe, to put that pillar in the way of the breach flash mm-hmm. than it is for me to turn flashes. I'm really bad at that. Um, and like that's why I really like opting from that angle, because I can just strafe and now the pillar is covering whatever that flash is, and I just have to be aware that somebody could have crossed in that timing. And so my lease on standing where I'm standing is very limited. It's like I have to I have to strafe back out as soon as that flash is gone, take a shot, and then fuck off because somebody's probably at ramp at this point. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting the number of people that you know flash that angle and then don't bother clearing me. They'll look, they'll look like Halls or something, and it's like, well, if I was Halls, I would have been flashed there, and so I'm not going to kill you because either I'm retreating back to cover. Or I'm taking, like, I mean, maybe I take a blind shot and TP out, but, like, I feel like there there could be some validity to clearing the angle that your flash didn't and then taking that gunfight. And, like, if you win it, you can be fairly confident you're not going to get traded because the other angles were flashed off.
1: Now, I see what you're saying, whereas if you are peeking an angle in which you must expose yourself... To multiple things. And not Hmm. all of them can be flashed. Yes. You should then take the one-on-one duel. Because that is your only option at this point. With the one person who is not flashed. While the other two must have either been fully flashed. You know partially flashed. Had to back off. Etc. But I think there's a misconception here. Where maybe that's not the flash you should be throwing. Because what you should do instead is flash angles in which you can peek solely the angles that are flashed
3: mm-hmm.
1: because you're trying to get a kill or gain space off of that and not just end up in a 1v1, you know, aim duel down a long angle. At least that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. Right? You should be trying to like you're not trying to put yourself in a in a aim duel. You're trying to give yourself a better opportunity to win. Right? sure yeah so you should you should try to expose yourself only to ones which you can flash and then clear those take that space if they had to back off or hopefully get a kill if they're flashed and then you can you know deal with the other person or you know use some teammates or flash again who knows yeah
0: okay i guess chase this would be a good question for you if you're if you're flashing us on to a side descent you throw that flash, where does your crosshair go when you move to go onto site? I'm like, you're playing Breach in this theoretical example, because that's the flash agent you play.
1: Yeah, I throw that flash, I my uh, crosshair probably goes to Jen. Okay. Well, not necessarily. Because if I flash and then I'm trying to clear site, mm-hmm. I can expose myself to dice first yeah so probably going to clear dice and then you can expi- expose yourself to heaven so i feel like Genma's is a terrible answer here because that's the third okay. angle that you would <laughs> yeah. expose yourself to that, yeah. that's in in your case of am i going to like neon slide in <laughs> mm-hmm. you know after somebody flashes that and you have yeah, to, yeah. you're exposing yourself to all those angles simultaneously then right. yes, you would go gen because it's the most likely to have dodged your flash and still be peeking you.
0: Yeah, and like, I like obviously context matters. And yeah. like, this is taking a situation out of context. Like, obviously, like, if you're flashing and a neon or a jet is dashing or slash sliding onto site, obviously they're going to be clearing angles. And so you probably don't need to clear those. But like, yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting to think of like, well, I'm flashing this off. What do I clear here? Um,
3: yeah, I would clear
1: business, indi- I individually, like yeah. what can I expose myself to without exposing myself to the other angles.
0: Right, but if you if you clear if say you clear you can clear let's say you can clear dice in heaven in one flash duration. But now gen would be unflashed if they were holding that, right? Yeah. And so like do you flash again to clear gen?
1: No, you op- you hopefully you- have someone backsight and you can pinch that. Right. right. Because my flash is yeah. an entry onto site. They dash into, like, right side of Jen or over to dice. You've you're cleared those angles. You have a smoke heaven. And then you can pinch Jen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I was waiting to say, that in addition to what Chase said, which I agree with, of, you know, ideally your flashes cover the area that you most want, that you're most worried about, so that the other one-on-ones you take aren't as big of a deal. In addition to that, in that going back to the example of like B long uh, Pearl, once you get that initial flash out to clear halls or if someone's peeking from like low screens on the side, you know, then assuming you threw the flash correctly, then your team can push up to pillar and then peek sc- like top of screens from multiple sides of pillar. And maybe your coordination isn't perfect, but like, you know, that adds significantly more pressure on anyone, even a chamber player who can TP out to aim at the right spot and hit the shot. Quickly, without someone else getting the immediate trade. Oh
0: yeah, no, I mean, like I was saying, like my my lease on how long I can stay there once that flash comes out is very minimal. Because as soon as you get the ramp, like that's that's now minimum three angles I need to be worried about.
2: Right. So that's the idea. If
4: you do
0: the
2: one flash, take care of the one angle, then you can disperse.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A
2: three on one instead of a one on one.
0: Right. (laughs) I typically fuck off at that point, but like. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. But the um, whole point
1: of that was to say that, Hunter, I understand wanting to uh, to have a little bit more, you know, clearing. Obviously, Neon doesn't have a flash, so it's not the exact same. But yeah. that was, like, what came to my head of, like, you know, sometimes I'm like, fuck, mm-hmm. I wish I was playing Breach in this instance because, you know, yeah. my, like, other teammates aren't taking the space that I know that I want to take right now. Um, yeah. And I could see that that's kind of, you know, a similar situation that you came into with Yoru where... You're like, okay, we need the team coordination for me to be effective in this scenario. We're not having that coordination right now. So what can I do by myself?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And another thing about right along those lines, I I think that's cool that you, you know, relating to that is that everything Neon does is quick cast. So there's like a really, there's no like, oh, equip the ability and then chuck it. It's all just Toss it in and go. So there's a real flow state when it comes to sprinting and then just like yeeting things left and right, your stuns, your wall, hitting the slide. uh You know, Neon is the one character where you're very rarely going to get killed with utility out because your utility is out for like so little and you're just so adaptable because of that. It's never like, oh, well, I want to flash here, but I don't know if I equip my flash if I'm going to get killed while it's in my hand. And you know, I just chuck a stun down if the person's not like. .3 seconds away, and then you, you stun and peek. <laughs> so, like, that's really fun to be able to have that sort of immediacy to what you do. Yeah, so you don't we'll fall say... into the Tony.
3: Yeah.
0: Exactly, yeah. I, I will yeah. say the other the other thing that I think is great about Neon as, like, a dive for ranked play is a bunch of the other dives. And, like, just, we can throw Yoru into this conversation here, but I'm thinking mostly with, like, Jet and Raze is... And I, you know, I guess Yoru actually fits very well into this. the The movement abilities that they get, which enables them to dive onto site,
4: cover distances,
0: like almost basically instantaneously, and so it enables them to get to other areas that are that could be potentially awkward for your team to follow up on. Whereas Neon. Doesn't do anything very unique. He just does it faster. Namely with her running and her sliding. Um, yeah. So when you when you enter site, you're setting up your wall and then your stuns in a way in which you're going to enter site. And your team can immediately follow up behind you in the exact same pathing. And they're just going to be a little bit behind you. And they should be there in time to trade you out, assuming you take a gunfight. Uh, Whereas with, like, there's a lot of times, like, as Jet, that I just, I can updraft and dash into Sight, and I can go, like, over a Viper Molly, for example.
1: And the rest of your team is just stuck, right? Yeah, but
0: my team is stuck behind the Viper Molly. Um, or, like, yeah, same thing with, like, Yoru with his TPs, or uh or Rays with her boss packs. It's like, yeah. you can, or, like, there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, like, I decide I'm gonna dash in, and... Like the sage is putting her wall up as I'm dashing in,
1: or a smoke is falling even
0: right, right, things like that, whereas as a neon, yes, you move faster, but your access to sight is going to be the exact same access that everybody else's is. You just do it faster, and so it's nice to know that like, yeah, I don't know, I feel like there's almost a sense of of safety. In following your neon into sight, then that like the jet razor Yoru can't provide
2: yes, yeah, so I feel like you hit the nail on the head there because I had been feeling that without and I didn't articulate it very well, but like I didn't even to really attempt to articulate it, but like that hundred percent because like if i'm if I'm running into sight and then all of a sudden I see a threat as neon, I start to see someone's elbow, someone's peeking, and I'm sprinting. Or, you know, I get flashed. I can hit that slide and I'm still gaining that space while opening up that for my team, but I'm able to react to that. Whereas, like, if I'm raised in midair with a blast pack and someone peeks me, or if I'm Yoru and I TP in, and I see someone, you know, with a shotgun in my face and I'm just waiting to equip my weapon. Uh, or if I, or, you know, Jet, similarly, like, in either way, you're way apart from your team and now you just kind of have to watch the enemy do what they want to you. With with neon, you can just you know duck and weave, while drawing attention for the rest of your team to follow behind you. Very fun. Yeah, that's oh. that seems like a good explanation actually. Yeah, yeah I love uh, the way Cass said it.
0: Yeah, Hunter, something that you brought up, I I just thought was really funny. There was a uh, there was a game that I played. I it was before we went to the state, so probably pushing a week by the time you guys hear this. Um, it was very funny. I so, like a jet dashed onto site and like dropped her smoke and dashed into her smoke. And I happened to be standing, like, kind of near-ish to where her smoke was. And I just pulled out a shorty and stepped into the smoke.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, then Jet yeah. just
0: dashed into my face. And I'm like, hee And then <laughs> like, I got to kill with it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so, That's fun. <laughs> like, I know what's about to happen here.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, if Jet had her third smoke back, there'd be a lot more misdirection. You wouldn't know if she was going into that smoke.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a 50-50. Yeah. Instead, it was just a 50-50. Is, is this a smug? No, she only, she only threw one down. But like...
2: Yeah, and you can kind of tell, I think, in a lot of cases, like, what the smoke yeah, is. Yeah, well, back when, had, back when Jet had
0: back when Jet had three smokes, like, you could often throw a diversion smoke. Right. I feel like... Or That's like what I was saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. to a complementary angle that you might want to dash into. You can't really do that now, because it's like... Well, it's like, well, but I only have one.
1: Now I feel Aside like from
0: the one that I'm actually going to be dashing into.
1: I feel like in pro play, I've seen a, a fake smoke where the jet tosses a, a smoke and dash, you know, smoke, and then dashes mm-hmm. next to the smoke.
0: Oh, I'll you yeah, like I'll, I'll do that sometimes. One of the ones that I really actually like doing is the um, is fake dashing into the smoke occasionally, and seeing where the spray comes from. Because oftentimes people try to spray you down when you dash to your smoke. If they're not holding an angle that can literally see whether or not you dashed into it. Right. Um, so it's like, when I, when I kind of know based on, you know, we're, we're multiple rounds deep. And, like, I kind of know nobody's holding the up close angle. Like, I can throw that smoke down. I can dash into the wall. And, like, I'll see somebody trying to spray that smoke down with a vandal. And that'll just let me know where they are. Um, but I feel like Breeze is often a map where I don't fully dash into my smoke all the way as Jet. Um, and it's a little risky if someone's standing Cubby on, like, a site Breeze.
4: Because mm-hmm.
0: I drop my two, or, like, well, usually there's a Viper wall up, and so I'll drop my smoke kind of blocking off that stupid little palm tree area. And then I'll just dash forward towards Right titty and then spin around. And so like I'll see you if you're standing on either of those close angles, but I might not get my gun up in time. But that's such an easy angle for my team to trade me out on. Yeah. So is it optimal? Maybe not. But if I drop if I drop my smoke at a distance to where my dash reaches it, then the the palm tree cubby is still very much uh a threat. If that makes to the sense. rest of your
1: team as well, yeah. yeah. That makes sense completely, because you're actually using your smoke as a smoke there more yeah. so than uh, than a smoke and dash, right? Like, mm-hmm. Okay. At this point, I'm going to need to call for a uh, quick intermission.
2: Editor's note, so unfortunately, we had some pretty severe audio issues for the middle portion of this podcast, so this next chunk you're about to hear is kind of rough, but if you're really having a hard time... Handling that, uh, you can skip to about the uh, hour and 43-minute mark, and there the audio quality goes back to solid. So, sorry about that. Enjoy the rest.
0: Okay, so one of the other things I want to talk about here is, and like I, I know we kind of discussed this a little bit earlier, uh, but somebody brings up a good point that I didn't consider when we talked about this the first time. Uh, this being the potential cypherpuff. Um, and basically I'm going to paraphrase this, but basically they're saying that while the increased length gives Cypher a lot of options, it's somewhat meaningless in the face of the current agents that can all break Cypher's traps effectively for free. Um, now, I've never played Cipher, so I didn't know this was a thing. But apparently, Raze Boombots just break the trap and keep going. Fade Prowlers, same thing. Um, I don't know if Sovatron interacts with them or not, but apparently, Skydog is one of the few things that, like gets caught, and then they're both kind of destroyed. Which I feel like should probably be the case for a lot of those other things like if you're going to trade
1: realize that it just kept
0: going. Yeah. I didn't know that either. But I feel like if you're going to trade util for hutil, that's fair. Right? You have two prowlers yeah. as fade. Cipher has two traps. If you're going to trade a prowler to deal with the trap, I feel like that's that's a fair trade. Right? The prowler's not getting the info that the fade wanted. And your trip isn't functioning as an effective stall because of that prowler. So in that case, you know, what's the saying? A good compromise leaves both parties unsatisfied. Um, I I feel like that'd be fair. Like, especially now that Jet Dash doesn't break it. Like, fuck, nobody else's shit should break it too, you know? Um, Yeah, I kind of just, you usually see it... It's sky dogs, right?
1: Because when you're, like, uh, I don't know, when, whenever you're watching the POV of a, of a sky and they dog through somewhere, like, you can see physically that it gets, like, stopped and stunned by the... Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I kind of just assumed that's how other utility work. Yeah. Mostly because I don't have a lot of ciphers in the game, so you don't really see it that often. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, if, like, Boombot and Prowler just go through no. and can still get, like, they break the trip and still do their other things, uh-huh. like, that's a little fucked.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with the utility trading. Like, if if uh, if they didn't want to go, if I didn't want to go that, like, that far with it, they could also just make it so that, like, Fade Prowlers just don't trigger the trip at all. Like, that would be the other option, I feel like. That would also be fair. Or just delays
1: it by a certain amount of time, right? So then you get less forward progress.
0: Which, yeah, but... Yeah. Okay, I, I feel like, yeah, like, if it holds them and then somebody could shoot the trip to, like, free it, you know? Yeah. I feel like that'd be yeah, fine. It's normally how, you know, it works if a person runs into it. Yeah, but I feel like they should all function the same way as, like, a person running into it. Um I agree. I don't think that anything should be able to
1: just go through it for free. Now, if, if a boombot goes under it, Fine. If a prowler goes under it or something, you know, if like the mm-hmm. height has, has anything yeah. to do with it, then that makes
0: sense.
2: Yeah, and I was also thinking yeah. this does affect uh prowlers more than boombots for that exact reason, height, which is that if your cipher chip is really if it's low enough to get triggered by a boom bot, it's also probably low enough to just get jumped over. So yeah. in some cases you still might prefer that location, but in a lot of cases you should be putting your cipher chip a little higher.
0: Sure, but, like, I, I feel like the big thing with, like, the low-to-the-ground ones is, like, for kill trips, like, mm-hmm. you set them up on, like, very sneaky angles that are, like, just, like, it attaches to some weird geometry on the map. Um Like, I know that there's, like, there's one that's been dubbed, like, the Sand Trap on Bind, and there's, yeah. like, a really cheeky angle you can set it on so that, like, people don't necessarily see it because they're not thinking that there'd be a trap there. And then they get caught by it, and then you can put up your cage and swing it and, and kill them. Um, I feel like, as Cypher, you typically only put your traps out low if you're going for a kill trip setup.
4: Um,
1: I mean, we're you, you realize what Elo we're in, right?
0: Sure. But I feel like if you're playing, even at our Elo, I feel like if you're going to pick a Cypher, it's because you know some of his setups. You're playing a setup-based character. I feel like it's kind of dumb. Not to know them. I don't know. I feel like, yes.
1: Especially because the agent is, like, Cypher is just not in the meta, so mm-hmm. if you're going to see a Cypher in your game, it's probably because you play a bit of Cypher. But, like, that doesn't stop me from being able to duck under or jump over trips. Badly placed I trips? Like, I, it still happens in my yeah. game, where I'm like, oh, I can just jump over this trip. Or like, yeah. oh, I, there's a box right here. I'm just going to go on the box. You know, like... Something yeah. like that, and you're just like, "Oh well, okay." Obviously, a, a good cipher would be doing that, but we're not good players, so yeah. we're again <laughs> not good ciphers. So I don't
0: know. I feel like there's there's like a bit of a difference, so at least like the way that I'd view it mentally. Now, I can't say that every cipher does the same thing, but like it, if I were in that position, I feel like I'd be aware that you can bypass this. If that makes sense. It's like, I'm hoping that you just walk into it and I can put my cage up and get a free kill. But I'm aware that you can bypass it. And okay, if, you're standing, yeah. if you're standing close enough to, like, say, a low-down trip, right? If you're within audio range, you can hear somebody jump over it. And so you can yeah. know that somebody has bypassed that. It's a bit harder if it's one you can duck under but I feel like the duck under ones are just poorly placed trips whereas the low to the ground ones I feel like are more of a I'm aware that this is bypassable I'm just I'm hoping that somebody walks into it and I can get a free kill if that makes sense yeah I see what you're saying okay but going back to sorry I can't remember whether Hunter or Chase said this I feel like it's not entirely fair if Boombots or Prowlers just don't trigger the trips. Because I feel like that makes the trips very hard. Like, it removes a lot of counterplay. Especially now that that length is increased and there are a bunch of unshootable ones that now exist. Right? Because you can set them behind the entrance or, like, the main choke. And then you need, like, a Sova dart lineup. Yeah, lineup. right. So I feel like if you can't break them with those other utility, then it becomes a bit unfair. So I feel like they should break the trip. It's just you should bear a cost for doing it instead of just breaking it for free.
1: I mean, yeah. Entirely. I'm still not like... Are we sure that it has no effect? Like, maybe it has a minimal effect. And maybe it could be larger on, like, BoomBots and and Prowlers. But, like, yeah, maybe that effect should be larger. I don't know. I haven't seen that interaction in my games very frequently, so.
0: No, no. from From what I've read, it appears that, like, Fade Prowlers just go through the entire setup and ignore all of it.
1: And break them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a little bit. Op.
2: Yeah, I agree. That seems bizarre.
1: Yeah, even with the uh, the fade Nerfs
2: mm-hmm. coming in,
1: like it should definitely cost your utility to do that. Yeah. Also, just as like a you know as a Sova player who would have to spend a shock dart
0: mm-hmm. to to break one of those. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like the big thing is like Sentinels are supposed to be good. At, like, stopping pushes. And the cypher doesn't have the same, like, okay, if you're going to five-man brush something, the first person through gets caught by the trap, hopefully somebody immediately behind them shoots it, and then you keep on going. Or one right?
1: person gets caught, and even if they don't, like, the other four people are still running through. Yeah.
0: Like, I, I feel like... Killjoy definitely has the advantage in that, like, you pop that molly, if you want to run through this, you're taking X amount of damage. I don't know what that damage is if you just run through a fade molly, but it's fairly significant. Yeah. Or, yeah, sorry, Killjoy. Killjoy molly. Yeah. Um, it's fairly significant. It's not just a... Uh, I mean, I feel like all mollies in the game, if you just run through them, it's like...
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it obviously affects the rest mm-hmm. of the team, right? If, if only one yeah. person, quote unquote, triggers it, I it's not not the same as, like, an alarm bot. Like, an alarm bot would just vulnerable one person.
0: No, I think the alarm bot has AoE.
1: Does it? Like, it could vulnerable multiple people if it only, like, if it. I think
0: so. Alarm kind of well, bot? Yeah. Because they they want want a, the alarm bot, like. like up, it has a, it can vul- yeah, because the alarm bot pops that's up that's and that's then it, amazing. like, explodes.
4: Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So if it explodes, and so,
0: I feel like when it explodes, it can vulnerable anybody, in like, it's a smaller AoE, like 100% but... I'm, 100 confident on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I also feel like there's definitely also, like, if I run into the trip, and then you guys just run next to me, even if the trip is still active and I haven't broken it yet, you guys just walk straight through it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, like, chamber and... Uh, sage slows also affect your entire team.
0: Yeah, I feel like so the no. trip should affect everybody until it's broken. I don't know why the fuck it doesn't. That would like, like, make more sense. I feel like it should be able to catch more people than just one, but it can only catch one person. Like I don't, I don't know. I feel like I obviously will have to see where Cipher ends up, but I feel like there are a couple of things that are a bit short sighted on Riot's part here, perhaps.
2: Well, I'm thinking they're probably doing the same thing that they've done in the past, which is go slowly and make sure they don't mess it up, which, you know, maybe at this point it's been so slow, maybe they should have done it faster, but, like, I'm assuming they would just rather under-buff rather than over-buff.
0: I feel like, now, obviously for, like, a week or two at a time it's detrimental, but I feel like over-buffing might be healthier for the state of the game in the long run.
2: Well, in the case of Cipher, who's been waiting for a buff for so long, it would be such an L for Cipher players if, um, you know, they come out with this big Cipher buff and everyone, all the Cipher players are like, "Thank God!" and then it gets nerfed in two weeks. Like, you know, that that would suck so much.
0: I mean, Viper.
2: Viper's yeah, but nerf wasn't crazy though. Like that—that that was a case of the the buff really having an edge case of being too good, which is with marshals. And therefore, I don't think, as someone who played Viper through that time, I really don't think that the Viper nerf was, like, really sad for Viper players. Unless they were using a Marshall, which, in that case, you know, yeah, that, that hurt, but that was just way too strong. So could the same thing happen with Cypher, where they just nerf, like, an edge case that is just way too good? Like, yeah. But chances are that it could be more drastic. Like, for example, the Ares, or the Ares was turned into a different gun that was too good for its price uh-huh. and then got made into a, a worse gun than it ever was. Like, that was just such a... That one, that one of the biggest series of L's Riot has ever had. Um, so, well, Riot with Valorant has ever had, I'm not yeah. speaking about the other games. Um, so th- that's kind of what I'm thinking of, and I'm imagining might be on their minds as well. Let's not overbuff anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can think of the Viper thing as an overbuff and then a correction, but then I think that you fall into a problem the other way as well, or you could fall into the problem where if you're buffing slowly, then the, like, gap in agent potential or, you know, strength is not as visible after the first weaker buff, and therefore you don't care as much and they never get, like, the proper buff that they should have gotten.
0: Uh-huh. Right? I feel like
1: it is, you know, a lot more reasonable to over-buff and then nerf down to a, like, more reasonable level than, you know, to to slightly buff, and then, oh, you know, like, we buffed them. They're, they're probably fine now. People just aren't utilizing them as well. Um, and then they never actually get, like, the... Uh, to to that Goldilocks zone,
2: yeah. yeah. I guess that's a good point. It's like the boiling the frog thing, where the frog doesn't notice if you turn the water up slowly enough.
0: That's a little gruesome, yeah. Or, you haven't heard of that uh, before?
1: No, I have heard of I, I have heard of that. No, wait,
0: wait, what's what's the term? Ma- term. Macabre? Macabre. Ma- yes. Yeah. Macabre? Exactly is that or, is uh, that? Yeah. Yeah.
4: I don't think. it's like,
0: macabre, wait. Because, is it you know, wait? But is that how you pronounce it? Because I think it's like spelled macabre. It's
4: macabre. Yeah, it's <laughs>
0: macabre. <laughs> is it macabre? Okay. Yeah. I, like I wasn't sure if I was pronouncing it correct there.
4: Yes. Yeah, ter-
0: yeah. That's a term I've seen written way more than I've seen it or come across it auditorily. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, like, I feel like if you, like, I I think the Viper change when they put it in, was it drastic? Yes. Maybe a bit. But, it got people into playing Viper, and then they toned it back a bit, and Viper's still good. And so it's not like everybody just all of a sudden stopped playing Viper. I feel like if you... I feel like in the long run, it's better to take things a bit far. Not to the point where, like, and like you brought up the Ares, and I feel like the problem that they had with the Ares is that was hot-fix territory.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you get into hot-fixes, that's because you drastically fucking broke something. And now you need to way the fuck tune it back. But in cases yeah, like yeah. Viper, where you slightly overdo it, you can reel it back in a bit, and then it put it still puts the agent on people's on people's map or radar. If that makes sense. It literally puts them on the map. Yes. Quite literally. Um mm-hmm. also chase go stand in the fucking corner. <laughs> um But yeah, I, I, I'm i a little worried that it's it's not enough being done, and like, especially when you include the fact that, like, a raise can literally just chuck nade at the start of an entrance to site, right on barrier drop, it stops somebody from swinging the initial angle, and it breaks all of Cypher's fucking utility, and you got nothing.
2: Well, that, that kind of comes down to a little bit of an uh, episode or two ago of you underrating the raise Nade. I feel like if you're using a raise Nade just to clear Cypher trips, then that exchange of utility is favorable to Cypher. If that only works in cases where you as raise expect that there are also going to be people playing by the Cypher trip, that it's worth chucking your Nade there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, A trade clear, of your nade for the, the Cypher is not... Yeah. Right, right, right. A trade of your nade for the Cypher
0: chip is not favorable to you as really. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm saying, like, that would still be in the game with the current proposed changes that we've suggested. But I feel like... And I'm saying, like, I think that's... Like, like you said, that's fine if that's what it's going to be, right? Like, a raise nade for a trip seems like a fair trade. If not, more into cipher's advantage. But a prowler just going through and insta-destroying everything, and does n- like, and it doesn't limit the amount of information that that prowler can gather seems yeah, I don't know it just seems unfair Yeah, like, it's like, well, what the fuck did I put that there for?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna have many arguments about that, if mm-hmm. that's truly how it Not works for then, me. Yeah. then you're, uh, that's kinda fucked up, so right? Hot fix.
2: do it do it you cowards yeah also I will retract calling you cowards if you want to sponsor us love you actually are you kidding me? there's no fucking way Riot would want to sponsor us dude they're gonna set up a shell corporation like a fucking alcoholic (laughs) 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 they're gonna set up a shell corporation just to sponsor us like this is the Valorant advertising bureau, unofficial.
0: Okay, actually, I, I okay, I, I just or. All right, <laughs> yeah, hold on. Yeah. I, I, I just thought of this, I got and like you know of that immediately. There, I, I, I might have brought this up before. I'm not really sure if I have, but. Okay, I think this is something that like could have some potential viability, and I feel like we. would Could potentially be good candidates for it if you take out the fact that we excessively drank. Pro Valorant tournaments should have two streams. They should have their standard stream, which is what they currently run, and they should have a I-don't-know-what-the-fuck-is-going-on stream. Because I have tried multiple times to get into League of Legends. Or just maybe even just sit around and watch a League of Legends game and understand what the fuck is going on, and I can't. It's way too complicated. I don't know what the fuck is going on, and I feel like a at this point with all the different abilities. If you didn't play the game, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what every ability does. If you just jumped in to watch like champions or the new, what's to say it's going to be like the Rio Major that's coming up. And, like, you just tune into it because you're like, oh, this could be interesting. It's, like, it's on Twitch. There are a bunch of people watching it. Maybe I'll check it out. If you watch the standard stream, I feel like you're just going to get left in the dust. But if the announcers try too hard to cater to the, you know, the less inclined or Valorant inclined, then... The commentary becomes really boring to people who actually know what's going on and want to watch the event. And, like, I run into something very similar with hockey, where I find that most of the commentators are really fucking boring. And that's because I, have you know, I grew up playing hockey, I grew up watching hockey, like, I, I very much understand the game, and I don't need... And, like, I find it kind of annoying when they go and they, like, try to explain some interaction to me it kind of feels like you're just getting mansplained to it or whatever <laughs> but if i Pass didn't comes out as a woman yeah if i didn't know what's going on all those explanations would be really nice yeah.
1: and yeah, i feel like uh, you and i have had this conversation before when it comes to olympic sports um specifically because in olympic sports like if you you're watching a bunch of shit that you've never seen before uh-huh. You know, that you're not actually interested in as a as a sport. You're interested in it because it's in the Olympics, right? And I could see a very, you know, easy parallel with, with eSports as well, because there's a lot of eSports. Um, and you're not necessarily into all of them. You might be into a couple of them. But, you know, sometimes you want to go watch a different one. Um, and what happens in the Olympics is you often have commentators that are specific to each sport, and they tow a Goldilocks zone that makes nobody happy. Uh, where if you are one of the people who is really into that sport, is way too boring because they're like explaining all of the shit and you don't need to know. You're like, wow, this is like so dumbed down. But then if you've never seen that sport before, there are still terms that that sport specific commentator is using that you have no clue what they mean, uh-huh. right? And so you're still lost. And then you nobody's happy in that. Um, I mean, this happens yeah. a lot because, you know, when skiing events are on in the Olympics, like, you know, Cass and I, we know all of the terminology, and it's really annoying to hear them explain, like, different ski grabs and stuff, right? But then, Cass, for you, like, when you were watching skateboarding in the Olympics, right, you were like, yeah. well, I don't know what any of this is. Right. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. But then I'm sure the people who actually are super into skateboarding think the same thing that we do with skiing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, you, you end up in, in the middle. So I, I could definitely agree that having multiple streams with different commentators for different things could be a better, you know, overall experience. But are there enough viewers to warrant two streams of, of like, Valorant or of most things, even up to professional sports?
2: Yeah, that's that's a good question, and it's, it's funny that you mention that because the NFL over the past two years has actually experimented With something like that, Um, although not with the explicit uh, intent of reaching out to people who are, like, anyone who's new to the sport, but with the intent of reaching out to kids. They've had a uh, Nickelodeon broadcast uh, with, like, some of the kid like, stars in Nickelodeon as well as some seasoned NFL commentators, like, casting the games, and they do it very much in the way that you guys are describing, where they're telling it. Uh, expecting that people explaining what's going on, expecting that people won't really know. Um, mm-hmm. and it's been that with a lot of success. There's, they also have like funny graphics and stuff. And it, there's been, I think each year, like a Nickelodeon game as well, where they bring some like slime out on the field and like pick an MVP, like, like Nickelodeon valuable player <laughs> instead of most valuable player. And then they like slime the person at the end of the game, and interview them and stuff. And so it's, it's been a big success. Um,
4: yeah, yeah so obviously I don't similar really that that
0: concept, right? Yeah. Similar yeah. concept. And like I feel like there's something together. Now, is, is Valorant as complicated of a game as League is? No. But still, I've actively like like I tuned in, like, specifically when I was in Toronto hanging out with one of our um hanging out with one of our buddies, Matty Newland. Um he oh. had he <laughs> had talks. <Uh-oh. laughs> um <clears throat> this out. He had the... uh He had, like, Worlds for League playing on his laptop um while I was hanging out with him, and we're just, like... We're hanging around, drinking, just having a good time, and he kind of had it running as, like, background stuff because he plays League and is into it and wanted to know how the games were going. Um,
2: He's a fucking nerd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God, he didn't deserve to have his privacy. Yeah,
0: yeah um... But, like, fuck, dude, I can't understand the goddamn thing the commentators are talking about mm-hmm. like it, it, it's just it's fucking gibberish to me, and you know it'd be it'd be nice if like even if it's not like you know like the mainstream, like I know that like Varan has like a bunch of people like co-host their their broadcasts, right, and so you get like Tarek and like whoever broadcasting the thing and they like kind of and i feel like that's more about like you know it, it's i feel like on one hand it's kind of nice when you get some of these like really talented players that are co-hosting and like the commentary is going on in the background and you can still hear all of that but then they'll they'll chime in with their opinion on like certain plays um and i i'm personally not a huge fan of watching the co-hosted streams, but I understand why like it can be cool to get their intake on on what's happening. Um, yeah, because you know like they're they're like they're both really high, or like I mean I guess Terek specifically is like a radiant player. Like he he understands what's going on, and he can often give some insight that I might not have based off a given scenario. But I feel like you could do the exact same thing and have a co-host that's ho- that's co-hosting the main Valorant stream that can dumb things down for like a person who's just getting into it.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I, I I think so. Now, do I think that we are the ideal candidates for that? <laughs> no. <laughs>
4: As much as I want to say, like, hell
1: yeah, give me that job, right? Um, I feel like we would just be, like, we, we know too much, and we're not in tune enough with, uh, you know, with with what someone who doesn't know enough about the, the pro scene might, right? I mean, like, regardless of our ability in the game, like, we might not be able to offer the uh, the Tarek level like, radiant commentary. Yeah,
0: but that's why, because we're the Layman's Podcast,
1: Yes, yes, but we still watch a lot of the games, and we know all the interactions, so I still yeah. think there are going to be things that, you know, like, we wouldn't notice as a... I, I don't know, it's it's hard, because you obviously have to have that ability to know what's going on, but still, like...
0: Dumb it down? it to someone yeah. who doesn't.
1: I don't want to say dumb it down, but, like, explain it to somebody who doesn't know it. Okay. Um, I just don't know if we have that ability. I haven't tried... Um. Maybe we should start co-streaming.
0: hmm I know, because, yeah. like... Like, it, in the exact opposite vein of what we're talking about right now... I remember watching a game where... Uh, the commentators were confused about how somebody got past... Like, it, it was on Haven. And somebody ended up pinching... Or, like, flanked through B into, like... A, or, like, A to B link. Slash, like, CT. And got a couple kills. And the commentators were super confused on, like, how the fuck somebody managed to walk through there when there was a chamber trip um, that was blocking off that angle. Um, and, like, I was viewing that and being like, it's fucking obvious the recalled her star, like, the defending recalled her star, which temporarily covered the chamber trap that was sitting B-Main. So she blocked off her own chamber's trap for, like, however long that smoke's up, and somebody just got really good timing, noticed that, and walked through. Um, but it took the commentators, like, they re that replay, like, four or five times before one of them figured out why that person was able to get through. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, the exact opposite of what we're currently talking about, but, like, I don't know, I just thought it was worth mentioning.
1: But really, the job you're going for is just Mimi's job.
0: I know, I know who Mimi is. What exactly is her job?
1: The fucking caster.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know, but like, (laughs)
1: like one of the
0: main. Yeah, I'm aware. Why? Yeah, but no, I don't want that. I don't want just like a standard caster job.
1: You think you're better, so?
0: No, I like. I don't know. I enjoy like I enjoy the aspect of trying to explain explain things, of like from the game to people who like aren't like knowledgeable about it. But like, I'm not saying I do a good job because I feel like I really don't.
4: But I feel like we can.
0: Yeah, but I feel like yeah. it can also it can also be a learnable skill, like. I could learn how to do a better job of, ex- of explaining that, because you know, I feel like I often get sidetracked, and I go down on, like, tangents that are, like, overly specific, and Chase always no. gives me shit for this. When, like <laughs> <What>? uh... <laughs> Oh,
3: cast. I would never.
0: <laughs> but, like, when we're trying to, like, explain a game to somebody, Chase always gives me shit for, like, trying to, like, explain how the meta functions. In, like, a oh, given game. Every,
1: every time somebody, like, every time we're explaining a board game or something, mm-hmm. and, like, people are asking the, like, like, they're just, like, how do we play this game we've never played before? Like, instead of just explaining the rules of the game, Castle go off on, well, yeah. this is what you want to do when you're in this situation. And, like, on the first turn, this oh, is typically my what the meta is. And I'm like, Cass you're just confusing people. They don't know what their first turn consists of
2: <laughs> yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, that, that's so funny that you said that, because literally, literally this past Friday... Uh, I was playing Secret Hitler with uh, some friends at my house. Are you guys familiar with that game?
0: Yeah, yeah. We've all played it together online.
2: Oh, of course, of course. It's been it such a long time since then, I forgot. Anyway, uh, basically it's a game of, like, hidden identities, uh, similar to Avalon or uh, Resistance. Resistance. played those. Yeah. Anyway, um, I was explaining the game to to a bunch of people who had never played the game before, and much like online, within our community. I am the game explainer guy uh, with board games IRL as well. And I was trying to be as careful as possible to limit the information to what people needed to know to get started. And one of my buddies, he's very talkative. like He goes into like when you would or would not like try to blend in as a fascist versus a liberal. And like he starts getting way into the strategy. And I was just like, I don't want to be rude and interrupt, but you are way overwhelming these, these noobs here. Just let them let them figure that out themselves.
0: Okay, but like so, yeah, I mean I
2: feel what you're saying, Chase.
0: Okay, Hunter, do you play Catan at all? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, like do you know what OWS is? Catan. Okay. <laughs> do you know like do you know what OWS is?
2: No. Or we cheap?
0: Yeah. So it, it describes a strategy which is based or we around cheap? Or, we yeah. cheap. or we cheap. Or we cheap. Yeah. Or we cheap. Okay. Um which is your development cards, right? Yeah, well yes, yes and, and cities and cities.
1: It's a general strategy in playing the game. Like, yeah. You if you're
0: playing
2: cities and Knights, consider. I think that's probably a lot better than if you're playing Base no, Catan. No, 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 this is a base catan. No, no, this
0: is a base catan strat. Oh. It doesn't it doesn't function as well in, in uh in Cities and Knights. But like the basic premise here is like they're like basically what i like like is it wrong for me to go into a game and try to explain to like yeah, somebody who's newer but like, is it wrong for me to like explain what the two standard strategies are? Being, or we cheap versus road building. Yes, because like, is that don't cool? know,
1: They don't know that you place a settlement in between the tiles at this
0: point. Like, <laughs> <you're> like well, <laughs> they don't know that there's are well, I, I wait connected by roads. I wait I for know. you to explain that to them before I get into that. I think it really I'm depends on the kind that, of yeah. person.
2: Mm-hmm. It yeah, depends it on really the kind is. of person you're dealing with, because like in my case. Uh, with Secret Hitler, I, I was playing with some people that I, there were some people that I knew, some buddies of mine, and there are a couple people my parents' age as well, because it was sort of like a, a mixed group that way. Um, and so for that reason, I was quite confident that if I got deep into the strategy, I would lose people. Whereas, like, there are some people who, yeah, especially if they've played a similar game, they would love to think about the strategy before they sit down with this one. So mm-hmm. it really depends on who you're talking to there. It's not like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm but not I feel like you should err on the side of under-explaining so people don't, like, feel overwhelmed getting into it. That's where I always yeah. go
1: for it. If like, you know, and, you know, maybe, maybe too much. There are, I'm sure, cases where, like, Hass has gone into his explaining thing and the people that we're sitting with are like, hell yeah, like, I want to know this information. Um, I just typically err on the side of, I'm going to explain the basics, and if you then are like, okay, so, like, what's generally the best thing to do here? You can go into a bit of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah, but I, yeah. I like to confirm that they understand the basics before launching into anything more complex than that, right?
2: Yeah, and like you're saying, Chase, if someone is really into like thinking about the strategy right away, they'll probably ask questions about that. They'll be like, Oh well, so should you, I go for like, you know, settlement settlement building or city building first? And like, what would that look like?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You won't have to just say it, you'll hear that from them first. But yeah, this is becoming a silly as not that I'm upset good. about that. But Neither am yeah.
1: I. I, I feel like yeah. we would have some definite interactions on this co-stream where, uh, where, where Cass would be like, "Now, typically at the start of the round, on the, when you have this amount of money, you want to be buying a frenzy and two smokes, or like you know." You what I'm Someone's like, "Wait, what? What's a like? You buy guns?"
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Editor's note here for the second time. Uh, If you were really hoping for more audio issues in this podcast, then oh boy, you're in luck because it turns out that at this moment, Cass decided to use the bathroom without muting his mic and since his noise suppression was doing absolutely nothing, that uh, created some problems in the final product. So uh, yeah, we had to cut in the middle of this discussion and then go right back into it. So I tried to cut at a reasonable spot, so it's not too jarring, but if you're wondering why it seems a little detached, that's why. And then, I think the second part to that, which I was thinking is that, one of the reasons why I find co-streams frustrating is when there's like a co-streamer who's more interested in talking with his chat and goofing off than the game, or sometimes there'll be like a group of co-streamers who are all in the Discord call while watching, and they'll just not They'll just get off on random tangents, which sometimes are funny, but if you're really into the game, they're kind of distracting, especially since their voice is like going over what's happening in the replays and stuff. So so if, if Valorant had a team or one person saying, okay, here's the noob cast, uh, and that person was solely focused on that, I think that could make for a much better experience than the current co-streaming where it, it's kind of a gamble on how seriously the co-streamer is taking it.
1: Yeah, or even if they are taking it very seriously, I find that a lot of co-streams are like, you know, they'll start going off like, oh, here's how I would have reacted in this situation. They're explaining something, like actually giving very yeah. good insight if you're into that. But then I'm missing whatever is happening next in the game.
2: Right, um, that's true as well.
1: Right, like in a very similar way. It doesn't have to be just tangential. Like it, it can be very interesting and good content, but it's something that I would rather watch a YouTube clip of Later, of mm-hmm. somebody explaining and breaking down this play, rather than like missing out on the next play because they're breaking down the previous one.
2: Yeah, little little mini shout out here, unpaid, but uh, C nine Mel, one of the greatest women's players in Game Changers history. Um, she has really funny co streams because she isn't like talking to anyone or caring about things besides the game. She gets really into the games. And sometimes she'll just be kind of vibing and wrapped up in things. But other times she'll, like, pull open, like, uh, a separate image of the map that people are on and, like, draw things on it to indicate, like, what the team strats were. Like, that's not exactly what we're talking about in terms of good for people who are really new to the game. But if you've played the game a good bit and you're looking to sort of, like, see, understand better what the pros are doing, then she does a great job of, like, Highlighting things you might not have noticed, so that's more for our audience. who's probably played Valorant a lot versus what we're talking about, which is more newbier people than are probably listening to our podcast right now. Yeah, I mean, I I would say I haven't checked out that one. He's great.
1: Malorant, Highly Malorant recommend specifically mostly because yeah. I just watched the normal Valorant stream always. Yeah, um, but also um, Thinking Man's Valorant also
0: does a very similar thing. Um, I think. Does Does he co-stream stuff though? Cause I feel like he usually does like breakdowns after games are over.
1: Yeah, but I've seen clips that look like they're co-stream, so I would hmm. say like, possibly.
0: But, mm-hmm. All right. Because yeah, like I I, I find those interesting. Like from time to time, like getting the full breakdown on like from like the Thinking Man's Valor inside of like oh like this is what like and like again I haven't seen Mel stream, um, but like kind of explaining why certain things are going on collectively from like a team perspective, more so than like from an individual's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like I like I guess occasionally there are times when like the 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 people who are in charge of the camera over like the main stream kinda take like almost like a cipher cam perspective when they're just like overlooking a site and you get to see everything come out at once. Um which can be really cool at times when, like, especially when you're watching a team like PRX that just, like, you tilt dumps and goes. It can be really interesting to get that more, like, bird's-eye view on, like, what's going on. Like um, the Skybox, right? Yeah, but I feel like oftentimes, like, the main the main people are just, like, changing between perspectives of different players in the game who they think are going to get into, like, an interesting engagement. Um, and so I feel like a lot of the commentary is often based off of like what it, what it is that an individual person is doing and less about the team coordination. And so I do think it is cool when like certain people will bring up the map and kind of like explain exactly what's going on from like a team perspective and like a timing basis and like how they know when to do what based off what it is that their teammate is doing somewhere else on the map. But obviously that like that's way too in depth for and like I don't know if average viewer is the right term, but I feel like that could be too in depth for an average viewer. And is definitely yeah. way too in depth for like someone who's just trying to watch the game and doesn't fully understand what's going on.
4: Yeah.
1: I mean on the topic of competitive uh, Hunter, did you say you had something involving The Guard oh, you wanted to bring up?
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually kind of... I almost forgot about that. (laughs) This is is sort of tying into what we were talking about, actually, in advice for new players. This isn't about the Guard's roster, but the Guard has a... Shoot, was it a TikTok account? Twitter? I think they... Yeah, they posted this on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. Basically, they talked about, like, a noob's... It was basically a beginner's guide to building a team. Like, what's... How... Building a team, to the the right word. Like, how to make have a good team comp is what I mean. And here's what they said. They said, you want someone who can flash, you want someone who can smoke, and you want someone with a dog or a drone. And I thought that was... A, and then two, like, fill agents after that. Two flex, they called them. And I thought, that is a really interesting way to look at it, because I feel like the meta since the game has started has been... Uh, one of each role, it, 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 when it comes to rank, like one of each role, and or you could look at it as um, uh, smoke duelist initiator. And flashes are nice as well.
0: Really? I always so viewed, viewed as... Break it as... I know, I always viewed it as you want smokes and flashes. Yeah. I'm happy if I get those. The rest of it be damned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's really interesting because I think when you think about it, you're like, okay, yes, you need a flashing initiator and you need a controller.
0: Well, you and don't. You need a you need a duelist as like your dive. Well, I feel I like the like that. oh yeah, but okay. I think
1: just... I think yeah. that that's typically what you think about. But then when you get into a lobby, it's often like, oh, you know, we have a Reyna that's good for flashes, or you know, we have a Yoru. We have like it doesn't really matter whether. Your duelist is the flasher, or your initiator is the flasher, as long as you have flashes. But, like, I think that there's a slight difference there between what I would think about versus what actually is happening when we get into a lobby and I'm okay with the team gone.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Sometimes you gotta be flexible and kind of work with what you got when you get in that Mm -hmm. lobby. Uh, Oh, we have a lost chase. Okay, well, we are officially back from intermission. <laughs> Part two. Chase's computer died for a sec. We were just talking about the uh, guard's idea on making a meta comp, and Chase was discussing how, you know, you, you frequently kind of have an idea of what you want in a team when you load in, and then, you know, when it comes to discussing with random, sometimes you guys are both saying sometimes you only get some of the basic parts you need, like the rain of flash as the yeah, flash okay. which might not be the best. Or Chase, you were saying a different perspective that I'm not fully remembering on that as well.
1: Yeah, I was just, I think, saying that, like, when you originally load in that, you're like, okay, well, we need a a flashing initiator. Like, you're looking for that KO or a breach or a sky um, as your flashes, but then you'll be okay with a duelist with flashes. Right, Um, right. And those are basically the same thing. They're flashes. Now, even if those roles are slightly different and and that guard... um, tweet or whatever that you were talking about um is just saying you you're looking for flashes like end right like yeah. you're looking for flashes you're looking for smokes and you're looking for a drone slash dog which
2: yeah and i i thought that was the most interesting part so i was surprised you guys didn't go to that first
1: that's what i was but definitely I, gonna go to yeah. next
0: yeah okay but i feel mm. like what chase was saying is like i feel like that's exactly how we view comp. we just want flashes period
2: like I would, I would say I view it as like smokes are a must. If not, I'm like this is gonna be a rough game. And then flashes are the second most thing I want. And then besides yeah. that, it's like well rounded outside of that is what. Oh I want. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But like and I'm like, just that's saying, the like
2: order. It's a clear order for me. But like, yeah.
0: if we have Phoenix as our flashes, optimal, maybe not. But we got flashes, or like yeah. a flash, right? Optimal, maybe not. But but it's a flash, kinda. Now I don't know. I think it'd be interesting if, like, the, like the guard when they were explaining that made a distinction between near sights and flashes, because I wouldn't count an omen paranoia as a flash. Well, no, I
3: mean, it's just, but it's there's
2: a solid. Difference. I think you could assume that they're not meaning.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I'm they saying, don't I mean count- fade paranoia.
1: prowler as your flash. It, like, yeah. okay,
0: sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but I'm saying I would count Raina.
1: Yes, as there's a, a solid flash. difference there and i think it, whether or not we can like define it in in words like everybody understands there's a difference between paranoia and rain of flash yeah, or mm. leer you know yeah um but especially also especially now that
2: the leer doesn't have a range restriction that makes it much more versatile
1: yeah yeah but also the nuance in what i was trying to say before was not that i am not okay with my duelist being the flashes it's that when i think of building a team comp if we're going to pick our ideal team comps, I'm mm-hmm. not thinking of putting like of the flash and the duelist agent as being the same. But when we load oh, into a lobby,
2: oh, oh, I see, I see. Then
1: you are thinking that. Then you are like, okay, yes, your your duelist can be your flashes if that's what you got for flashes. That's great. Um, yeah,
2: because Phoenix, Yoru, Reyna are not meta duelist at this point. Yeah. But, Even though those are the flashing duelists. So.
1: But if I were to like design a team comp, I would be thinking, oh, well I need a breach, a sky, or a KO in there. But this is saying not necessarily. If you have a Yoru in your team comp and you want to build around that, you already have your flashes. Um mm-hmm. which is more like how you know you would be negotiating with Randos in a lot in like a ranked lobby.
0: Yeah. I but yeah, so I fully agree with that. I would say one of the things that they didn't mention that I think about is entry slash dive. Yeah. Because that wasn't listed, but that's something that I very much think about when it, like when we're building team comps because I'm well, I'm either going jet or chamber. Yeah. Right. That's a foregone conclusion. If we have someone who can be entry slash dive, then chambers on the table. And now there's certain Mm -hmm. maps where I don't want to play chamber being the breeze
4: and pearl. But
0: for the other maps, it's like, I don't know. It's very much a day to day thing on the other maps that aren't breeze and pearl. And if we get into a scenario where I haven't locked yet and we don't have an entry slash dive, then I'm going to go with jet because I hate being in the scenario where I've locked chamber my team didn't pick a dive and we all get stuck at like a choke point because nobody's willing to, to burst through.
2: Yeah. Yes. And I will yeah, say and I think that might be the big, sorry, God, I thought you were
3: done. Hey, okay. I, <laughs> I will
0: say that's one of the, that's one of the things that I very much appreciate about Tony. Regardless of what agent he's on, when you tell <laughs> him to go, he goes. Mm-hmm. He might not do yeah. the best job of going, but like, So he's
2: submissive and leadable. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) Uh, It's such a two online reference. Anyway. (laughs) Um, What I was going to say is that I feel like in full agreement with what, what you're saying, Cass, that that might be the biggest weakness in the guards format there. Because if you have a team comp, that's no duelist. And your initiator, your flashing initiator is breach or sky. You could end up struggling mightily on attack because you don't have anyone who's specializing in aggressively taking space themselves. You'd have to be that really force you to be very well coordinated with your uh, sky or breach to flash, and then have someone immediately peek off that flash to and have someone who's willing to do that. And even at the pro level, um, there's been oftentimes that teams have tried to run a zero duelist comp, and oftentimes it's been not it hasn't gone well.
1: Now, I'm going to disagree with you in a way. Not Ooh, not spicy. in the gist of what you're saying, but in the gist or but in like how the guard is describing this, where I think that that stuff like dive is contained within the two flex rolls that they're explaining. So you have one of each of these rolls being yeah. flash smoke like recon uh-huh. be, you know, your drone or, or dog or whatever, or prowler. Those are kind of the ones. Um, and then you have two flexes and that's saying like, you still have to think about a lot more things, but what don't you have in those three agents that you picked? And that would be like, you know, your dive or slash duelist is one of those. Now, mm-hmm. if you, your your dive is already contained within one of the previous ones then like you're good. You, you don't need yeah. to fill that. But that's yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: okay. Like I fully understand what you're saying. It's just I feel like not explicitly listing dive slash entry as a role is potentially overlooking something. Is all I'm saying.
2: And what I'll say is that while I agree with what you're saying in principle, Chase, which is that the flex role could very well be a duelist and probably would be, I'm going to say that at ranked in general, um, it makes more sense to say smokes, flashes, dive, and then I think you could you could either say dog, uh, dog drone as the fourth role or leave that to flex. Because I would rather have a dive player and not have a dog drone than the opposite. So that's where I might disagree with what they're saying a little bit.
1: Fair. Yeah. I guess it's kind of in ranked importance where you're saying that these yeah. are the most important and then mm-hmm. there are other things that you're looking for, but they're contained within this flex role. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's what's most likely to have overlap with those other That three. is and worth considering, I, And sure. I don't know if, dive necessarily like the only thing it would really have overlap with there it wouldn't have overlap with with smokes or um or well, dog brim. drone
0: brim brim can be your dive
1: brim can be your dive <laughs>
0: I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a good decision <laughs> but brim could be a I dive mean, brim and... is
1: a good
2: dive brim is a good dive on a non-duelist like zero duelist comp.
1: Yeah but if I'm gonna say like if if I have a brim in my team comp, I'm still looking for that dive in that flex role. But yeah, like, but
2: that's because you're the brim and you don't play entry. I mean, even me when I when I'm brim, I still would want to have a dive who's not me, just because <laughs> brim is not the it's best. It's not dive a good game. dive at yeah. all. But like, he's the best non duelist dive. Well, he's the best non KO. Yeah, non KO non duelist. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but is
0: that, is that true though? If you're, you
2: think he's a okay.
0: better dive than Ko. No, no, no. I'm not saying he's a better dive than Ko. I'm saying is he the best non-duelist, non-Ko dive?
1: There might Have be we come up like, with so yeah. Okay. the The other thing is, there might be a better person at the dive aspect. But are you missing out on more utility by playing them as a dive? Because yeah, the I, the thing I, that Brim yeah. has is that he can drop he, his utility. He,
0: he, he util dumps. Yeah, he util dumps, and he's not risking anything by going in. Yeah. Now you're say, risking
1: the opportunity okay. cost of being able to save a smoke for later. But sure. yeah,
0: but that's less of an opportunity cost than, like, say, a sky who's now playing dive and has refreshing flashes.
2: I think sky is just a bad it, dive yeah. in general because their stuff takes a while to cast, so she can't really uh, like. It's kind of awkward to flash for yourself with sky.
1: I was going to say, omen is the closest other thing where you can, you know, smoke, smoke, teleport yeah, I somewhere. Throw
2: omen in the mix, yeah, that's fair.
1: And but then you're you're missing the opportunity cost of. You know a refreshing smoke. smoke later,
2: yeah, right yeah. Um, yeah and his and his teleport, if you're going to use that aggressively, is kind of risky. Um, I was also thinking though of uh sleeper pick for a good dive with no duelist being harbor
3: because mm. the realistic wall
2: could, Well, first of all, you put your you put your main big wall down, and then it's going to be forever before you get that back anyway. So, like, yes, there is an opportunity cost, but it's probably most valuable on that initial take anyway. And then you put out your cascading wall uh, to enter in behind. Um, and then, really, the opportunity cost is your uh, your dome smoke that's, that's shielded, because probably, in most cases, you're not going to throw that while entering. But, yeah, uh, I feel like the cascading wall is pretty solid for entering with, although... Someone else on your team could just as easily do that, but you know, if you need to do it yourself, you could.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I was thinking of of flashes as like the most likely to overlap, but then oh, I agree. Yeah. But then I was thinking, well, what flashes overlap with dive? Um,
2: Phoenix, obviously.
1: Yeah, Phoenix can. Yeah, I Yoru. kind of forgot about about Phoenix, but I was thinking of Phoenix, just Yoru. Yoru Rain is not a
2: wonderful dive,
1: but like she works.
2: I think Reyna's a good dive, it's just people don't tend to play Raina that way.
0: People tend to smurf on Raina, but, like...
2: Well, people also tend to get crazy about... People tend to like playing either Lurking Raina or, like, push somewhere that's not with the team by themselves, Reyna.
3: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: because Raina excels at getting yeah. a pick
2: and getting out.
1: Right. In right. closer they... angles. And, while, and if you're dive, yeah. you're taking yourself away from that ability to, like, dismiss out of an engagement.
0: I guess, but, like, there's also well, the... sort of. There's the dismiss farther onto site.
1: Yeah. Which yeah. you don't
0: see a lot of in ranked, but, like... the dismiss farther, yeah. yeah, but the dismiss farther onto site works well with... There's somebody behind me who's following me up, right? And so, if you identify, while dismissed, somebody else who's isolated and trapped on site... It's like a you can ping them or you can call out to your team that they're there, and it's like swing with me as I get out of my dismiss. And so they're probably not going to kill both of us. One of us is going to get this. Um, and I, I feel like you don't see a lot of that, and like I I don't play a lot of arena, but like I did a while back, I played a bit arena. And I feel like, yeah, the the instinct is dismiss and fall back. But I feel like there's definitely some value to the dismiss and push forward with it.
2: But the thing is, really, your dive player, this kind of goes back to what we were saying about flashing the initial angle. Your dive player is most important for that initial fight. So if you as Reyna peak the initial angle, get a kill, and dismiss back, you've still done 60% of the job of a dive player even if now someone else is leading the charge the rest of the way. Getting right. that first pick is huge.
1: <laughs> now, I think that this is, like, th- there are quite a few flashing dive players, more than I was originally thinking, but that only further helps my point, where that there's a lot of overlap between those two things, and so including oh, yeah. dive as your, as the, like, final two flex things makes more sense, because you are likely going to have in a lot of team comps that already within the flash uh, role. And if you don't, then that can be the flex, but that's more likely than, you know, uh, filling up, you know, one of those roles, you know, uh, smoke, flash, dive, if those are your three roles, and then still, and then having a, um, an overlap with a uh, drone dog agent is less likely other
2: than being sky.
0: Yeah, I guess I yeah, guess we it, haven't talked about the drone flag aspect yet.
2: Yeah, it really does depend on Yeah, yeah, it really is just sky who would check other two of those boxes otherwise. Um it depends on how you look at it, right? Are you are you looking at it as these are three roles that you want or these are x number of roles that you want individual agents one for each role? Or is this a checklist that you want to make sure you check those boxes first? Because if it's checklist, I would say smoke, splash, dive. Because like you said, flash and dive would often end up being the same person ranked. But if you look at it as these are the three individual agents who we want to slot in first, then I think it does make sense to look at it more like the guard was saying because a lot of the time you would have that overlap. So it's it's sort of like what your perspective is on what they're saying here.
1: True. I was looking at more as like these are three agents. Um, Yeah. Now Sky would obviously fill two of those if you had a Sky. So uh, it's hard to look at it fully like that. But that is the anomaly. Yeah.
2: Right. Right.
0: Well, but I guess the question is, if you're looking at this from like a from the more team building perspective of like, hey, we're going into whatever this random map is, and like if you're looking at this from a professional team perspective and like you're trying to come up with your your strategies and stuff. It's like, okay, well we need and if these are the three things you're looking at. We need a a drone slash dog, uh, we need smokes and we need flashes. If you and then we've got two flex. If you pick say Sky Omen, it's like, well, we've now checked off those all three of those boxes. And now we have room for three flex. Is a potential way to look at it
3: mm, Right. right you're
0: saying we need to we need to check these boxes and then we can fill the rest of the team hey,
2: joy uh cipher make one site just impossible to take <laughs> yeah
3: no I, I get what you're saying
0: yeah, but no I, like sidebarred? I've wondered if that's
4: like useful to. With with
0: the fact that Cypher's Util is global.
3: Excuse me.
0: Put a Cipher and a Killjoy on a team comp and say, Fuck you, you're not coming B. Mm-hmm. Dump all of Cypher's Util on B, put the killjoy on B, and just heavy stack the other site in mid. And mm. just be like, Fuck you, B is non accessible.
2: Yeah, so you do like a two two one with like
1: two mid two other site. Yeah. I feel like we sure should five stack and try out some wacky comps. Like go into it knowing, hey, yeah. we're not we're not gonna play what we really want to play on this map, but we're gonna try some comps, and we'll figure yeah. out oh. who slots best into each
2: like character. But
0: yeah, I'm 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 a very big fan of the everybody plays smokes.
2: I I do and like we all that, buy shotgun and yeah, and now <laughs> we actually have the five smoke comp available, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we had
0: the we had the five smoke comp before.
1: No, I just played yeah. chat. The... If you include Jack, uh, fuck you.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't count. <sighs>
0: but yeah, no. I I like the I like the five smoke cop smoke the entirety of fucking sight and just go in with shotguns.
2: Oh yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah, big fan. Yeah, it's
2: been used against me, even even if it's just like one player. Like I've there was one game on Breeze where I, I played with a uh, against the enemy brim who wouldn't use his smokes for the site take. Um, His team was good at getting onto site. He didn't really need them. Uh, Maybe there's even a Viper on the team as well. I don't really remember. But basically, he would do a good job of surviving until the post plant, and then he'd drop all three smokes in kind of like a line or a blob around Spike and just play around Spike with a shotgun. And he was Damn. so hard to kill because he was really good at, like, getting a kill and reposition and repositioning. And then when, like, you have to find someone in three smokes that are all connected to each other, like, even with blind spraying, it was tough to get him down. Yeah, that's
1: kind of brutal, eh?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was frustratingly effective. We eventually started countering it when basically he wasn't that much valuable until – he wasn't that valuable except in a post plant. So we were able to kind of, like – effectively kill the rest of the team and then have, like, a 3v1, and then that was working for us, but it was surprisingly effective. And that was just one player doing that.
0: Okay, I I, I do want to talk a little bit more on this, like, whole drone thing that they listed. Yeah. Like, drone slash dog. And they're
2: including Skydog, Prowler, and Sova drone in that. Yeah.
0: um, I like having, like, because I always viewed that role more as Recon. Which includes the exact same three characters. Yeah. Being, yeah, Sky, Fade, Soba. Um But yeah, I always viewed that as like, recon is nice in a ranked game. But not necessarily mandatory. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of context with this video that the guard put out because I haven't seen it. But like... Were were they talking about like from like a pro perspective? Were they talking about from like a ranked this is like a guide to
2: your average ranked player? How can you be better at picking a good team comp? Mm. This was this was definitely not how do pro teams pick team comps because okay. that would be very different. Okay, yeah.
0: so they're saying from a ranked perspective, you need one of these. And did they like elaborate on that at all? or...?
2: I'm pulling up the video right now because it's been a couple days since I watched it. But.
1: I mean, I would I would say that when we were talking about best utility in the game a long time ago and we ended up talking about Astra suck because that was back when yeah. that was still really good. Yeah. There was a heavy debate between that and Sova drone. And obviously <clears throat> both have been nerfed at this point. Um yeah. But I think that like you know if we hearken back to that time, you there's still like an ability for for that to I don't know be very useful, right like that that seems like it's still like oh. it's still a very, very good piece of utility. and yeah. it makes sense that you would want that on your team. It might just be overlooked more often that that's kind of the one that's like, oh, like shit, we don't really think about that, but yeah, that it's a it's a really good piece of utility. Uh, that gets overlooked. You know, it's like a free recon, you know, free free life of, uh, can I peek this angle?
0: Yeah. Oh, no, like, it, it's, like, I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to understate how valuable those utility pieces are. I'm just wondering, is it that I, like, as Shay said, is it that I'm overlooking them when we're picking a team comp? And now, keep in mind, I'm not the player that's going to pick any of these. So, It's more just about, like, when somebody asks, like, hey, I'm going to fill, what should I play? Should I be considering this more, or is it – or do I think it's less valuable in ranked than this guard video is making it out to be?
1: Yeah, do we see it as the same level of smokes and flashes? Because that's kind of what it's put on. It's put on the same tier as being smokes as it flashes, like – but like when you come into a into a ranked lobby, you're you're always like, fuck, we don't have smokes. Fuck, we don't have flashes, right? But yeah. I'm never like, oh fuck, we don't have a Sova drone.
2: I agree. In yeah, the I same way. I'm glad you're saying that because you know you're the one who would have the Sova drone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But like oftentimes if I'm if like I'm being like okay, literally like the three characters I play are each in one of those categories. Right, Smokes,
0: flashes, mm. and has a drone,
1: yeah. Yes, so I play Sova, Breach, and Brim, right? But oftentimes, when I'm hovering Sova, and we don't have one of the other two, I will fill to one of the other two.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Being like, ah, I guess I won't play Sova on this map because we need Smokes or because we need Flashes, even though I want to play Sova. But like, mm-hmm. if they were all at the same level, then I would be, you know... I would be fine in keeping with my Sova and forgoing one of the other two.
0: No, but I feel like it goes in order. Smokes, flashes, Drone, Slash, Dog.
1: Now, I think the order was flashes, Smokes. But.
0: Mm, Interesting.
2: I'm trying to find the video still. I was scrolling on Twitter, but it was a while ago.
0: Okay, because, like, I feel like, like, Smokes is a big one, right? Like, can we all agree on that?
2: Yeah, what do you think I'm gonna come with a scorching hot take? You don't actually need smokes.
0: No, I'm thinking somebody might argue flashes.
2: Uh, I like personally, I'd always, I've, I've had plenty of good games where we didn't have flashes, even though some of them messed up by not having them. It's an it's a nice exception when we don't have smokes and win. -win. Smokes are, in my opinion, are so much more important than flashes.
0: I'm just like, I'm like, now that I'm thinking about this, I'm wondering like. Which one should I place more value on? Because, like, I'm starting to create an argument in my head for flashes being more valuable than smokes.
1: I'm doing the same thing over here. I'm being quiet, but I'm also being like, fuck, do I need flashes more than smokes? And, like, it's formulated. No. It's, it's no, formulating. you're
2: overthinking it, guys. <laughs> you're getting in your heads too much.
1: I don't know. It, it, you know what's better than uh something someone can push through?
2: Okay, okay. I just found the video. It was on TikTok and then posted on Reddit. It wasn't on Twitter. And smoke was first. Oh, oh, they didn't say if this was a ranked list in terms of importance, but number one is Smokes, number two is Drone or Dog, and then number three is Flashes.
1: Hmm. That's the way they present. So, it. So yeah, it, it's, it could just be a non, like an unranked order, but if we were to yeah. rank them,
2: yeah, I, smokes, would, flash, I think
1: it drone. goes fla- Smokes, Flashes, Drone. But like, I, there's an yeah. argument for Flashes, Smokes, Drone.
0: Yeah, there is, there is. Because I'm trying to think about it, like, right? Like, smokes are always nice. Like, it's always great to have smokes.
4: But there's a lot of times where it's like, we can't get
0: onto site. Why can't we get onto site? Oh, we don't have flashes. Yeah. And I usually don't notice it because I'm not as concerned about them in the whole team comp selection as I am with having smokes. But I notice on a lot of maps that, like, we're really struggling on our attacking side. And I'm like, why, why are we struggling so much? And then I pull up the scoreboard and I realize none of us have fucking smokes.
3: Slashes. Or, sorry, none of us have fucking yeah, flashes. I was going to say, I thought you were leading up
0: yeah, to the yeah, No, no, no. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, none of us have fucking flashes.
1: Yes, and I just realized another counter-argument to that, which would be that it's really only on attacking that you notice it that much. Whereas yeah. smokes have huge impact on both attack and defense, mm-hmm. and that kind of th- just solidifies it for me because I wasn't really thinking about that. But, um, like not having flashes on defense, you know, sucks. But smokes are much more important on defense. Um, and I think that I... Sm- on, on attack, smokes are more. Important than flashes are on defense, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, but I think smokes on attack are more important than smokes on defense. Mm. Smokes on defense are, are like are great and all for stalling out pushes and like allowing your team to rotate. But like, I feel like they're more valuable on attack, cutting off retakes. angles that you have to clear. Sure, so cast, to, I would I'm generally
4: not, agree. Okay. Yeah,
0: I'm not trying to argue that smokes are valuable on in defense. I, just yeah, think I, think, I think the more thing that you're on attack.
2: I would agree, but I think the thing you might be underselling is how important smokes are for retakes, like yes, if you're just cracked on defense at not letting the team get on site, then maybe you don't need smokes as much, but the minute you have to retake without smokes and someone's holding an op on the spike, or you know might be holding an op on the spike, you don't know for sure, like having smokes is just a lifesaver. Or there are and just multiple angles to play, at that right? Point, yeah, no, that, yeah. that is even true. you flashes at that point, like, it's hard to, you know, they only last a very short time, their effect.
0: No, you're right. But- that is true. I, I do agree that, like, I like, as a person who doesn't play smokes and when I'm dead and I'm viewing my team during retakes and I see, like, a smokes agent, the first thing I'm thinking of is just, like, smoke off the spike. Like, that's the first thing that runs through my mind when I'm spectating somebody else. And I see that they've got smoke. It's like, just smoke off the spike. Like, let's get some... Like, we can create pressure by having somebody going out, tapping smoke, or tapping spike when it's under his smoke, and now the enemy team is forced to respect that.
2: That really doesn't work at all if the other team has the potential to put a molly on spike, though. Then you've kind of screwed yourself. It would have been much preferable to not have a smoke there.
1: Yeah, I would would say, like... As a smokes player, I almost never smoke off
2: spike, yeah, I would say that as a smokes player, I will smoke off spike if I am planning on immediately going and diffusing it myself when the rest of, when the end when the attacking team is like somewhat off site like we've cleared sight, we know they're holding from a bit back, and I want to get on it, but like if I'm leading a retake if I'm about to retake with my team as Omen or Brim. I'm smoking off the most commonly held, like yeah, spike no, okay, okay. okay, obviously, exactly you, that, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: Obviously, you have to get some sight control before smoke off spike comes into play.
2: Well, yeah, but like to get that sight control, it's yeah, very yeah, helpful no, to smoke yeah, yeah, off okay. those obviously,
0: obviously, if you're yeah.
2: if
0: you're using your smokes to gain sight control, then I'll, by all means do that. I'm talking about more when like our team has some sight control, and like, like I, I don't know, I see a lot of people like as Omen, like. Tapping spike and trying to like bait out a peek from the enemy team. And I'm like, just fucking drop a smoke on the goddamn thing. Like you're already on top of it.
2: I it, see. I the, see that. The, in the it. real issue there is that they have a smoke that they're not using. Not that they're not putting mm-hmm. it on spike. Like, I feel like it's just as valid to smoke off an angle. Someone's peeking from.
1: Yeah. In that case, most likely you're going to know where they're holding from. I see your argument in say, you know, it's a one V one and they rotated and you were like holding mm-hmm. the other site to, you know, in case they re aggress there and then, you know, they were able to get plant down and you had to fully rotate over to, to retake then smoke. They could be anywhere, right? Yeah. You know, then smoking off spike seems to have like make more sense, but like, if you've come onto site, you have that space, you then have isolated a couple of angles, like smoke those angles off. I'd rather drop a smoke blocking those angles than on top of smoke because I have more vision and knowledge of what's going on around site while I'm diffusing or tapping or like, etc.
0: Okay, I I okay I see that if you know for sure where every person on the enemy team is, like if I know for a fact that they can only be in this area and I can smoke that area off, then that makes sense. But if there's a the potential for somebody to be lurking mid and could come up from some unexpected angle, or, like, maybe is flanking us. I feel like you're better off dropping that smoke on Spike.
2: I think the biggest issue with dropping the smoke on Spike is, first of all, if they start spamming it, then, you know, you're at a huge disadvantage all of a sudden, assuming they have a good weapon for spamming. Like, I feel like that, what you're saying, is much more applicable against pistols, whether it's on pistol round or if it's against a thrifty, uh, sorry, against a eco buy. When they can't spam effectively, but if the other team could have a phantom or a vandal, then you know, unless you have, unless you have some cool play set up, like you are, like you tap spike, wait to get spammed, but you're standing aside from spike, and then you plan on paranoiaing out of it as Oma, as as, as Omen or something, like I could see that, but like in general, you're putting yourself at that risk as well as if you genuinely have no idea where they're coming from. It's pretty tough to be diffusing Spike and know that, like, they might just walk into the smoke from any spot in the smoke.
0: Okay.
4: But even with the spam, how confident are you ever?
0: Someone drops the smoke down on Spike. Yeah. You're spamming that smoke.
2: If I have a phantom and I'm at a reasonable range, I'm pretty confident.
0: How confident are you? that
2: they've gotten off Spike. I mean, Recently, Cass, I feel like your your experience is being heavily distorted by the fact that you are the attacker. You're playing post plan. You're in a 1v1 or a 1v2. You're holding an op on a long angle. They smoke you off or smoke off Spike, and you're trying to shoot them with an op based on pings, and you very often just don't get that, and so you're like, oh, man, that smoke was god tier." But, like, if you have a phantom, you have a very reasonable chance of either killing them or getting them off Spike.
0: like, if you tap Spike and I'm spamming it down? Yeah. Like, unless I hear you re-tap Spike, like, I... I don't know. I'm not confident that I got you off Spike or that I killed you or that, like, I, you know, like, that I did enough damage or whatever, like...
1: Okay, now here's my final statement on the thing. I think that, you know, you... I'm thinking about Breeze this whole time. Um, mm-hmm. Think about Breeze, what, A-site, where you're most likely holding from caves as a post-plant Opper or mm-hmm. whatever else, you know? Um, if someone were to smoke off Spike, the, like, defender, or I guess the the attacker there, could push up at any point, and as the Diffuser, I don't know that they've pushed up. You know? If I were to smoke off further back towards the angle where they're holding, they have to then push through that smoke. It operates the same as smoking off the site because it's blocking them. They just have to spam. It's the same as a spam thing. They can't see you behind the smoke. But if they were to want to get into a range where a spammable weapon is more effective, they have to push through that smoke, in which case I can now see that they're pushing through that smoke.
0: Right. Okay. I'm saying, let's take Breeze since you brought it up. If you know that everybody left alive is caves, then, yeah, smoke off caves. I'm not arguing against that. But I'm saying when somebody could be working halls, somebody could be mid, you don't know. But we've gotten control of the titties, right? Yeah. Right.
4: Like, we've got the titties. There's three people alive.
0: Drop a smoke on Spike.
3: Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, that just goes back to,
1: like, yeah, if you if you don't know where someone's going to be peeking yeah. you from, then obviously a smoke on Spike covers off all angles to Spike.
0: Right, exactly. I'm like, obviously, if you know that they're fucking caves, then, yes, smoke off caves. I fully understand what you're saying there. But when you don't know where everybody is, the sooner you can get that smoke on Spike, the sooner somebody can tap it and just put, like, just put that paranoia in the enemy team. It's like okay. I got to go clear this. Like
2: Yeah, I feel like I feel like the counterpoint to that Cass, is that in the scenario you described, whether it's Breeze or another site, where you don't know where someone is, the fact that you don't know where someone is despite your team taking fights on site means that that last someone, assuming it's a 1v1 now, is likely not very close to site. And because of that, they're not going to they're probably not going to peak you immediately um, when you tap spike. Like it's possible that they were like, you know, way behind the rest of the team and are just now arriving that you get a bad timing that way. But in the majority of the cases, that means they're playing kind of far back or st- spending a long time flanking, whatever the, the situation is. And so in that case, smoking off one angle where like, if you want to push this, you have to push, you know, you're going to put yourself at a disadvantage, getting it half and then, you know, waiting for them to peek you, I think is just as valid of a strategy because like, let's suppose the plant is on breeze and it's planted default. So it's planted for caves and you get to spike and the enemy is still right at the doorway of halls. Like they have to full sprint to you to prevent you from full defusing anyway. So if you smoke off caves there and get it to half, by the time you get it to half, you're going to hear them clomping through the water and then you can go take that duel. So like I don't think that's necessarily a worse outcome than I don't think that's necessarily a better outcome than smoking spike where you also you know but, where you're not blocking off
0: anything. I'm saying I think you guys are hearkening on this fact where we're talking about like a one v one or whatever.
2: Yeah,
1: I was yeah. about to say I think the the difference in our I'm thinking here about is
0: three.
2: Like like yeah, even if there's a three v three, there's a much 5. yeah a three v three, there's a much greater chance that either someone on the attacking team is going to have a molly. Or they can use multiple people to spam you down. In which case, I think that's even worse.
1: But then at the same time, you also have other teammates who are not on the spike to cover those angles and at least hold delay utility that would allow you to mm-hmm. get off spike and re-equip your, like, your weapon before right. taking yeah, that also, engagement.
2: Just, yeah, And you could right. help those teammates out by smoking off the places the enemies would peek through rather than leaving your teammates exposed to the peek and them dying while you're on Spike, and then all of a sudden, now it's just you versus two other enemy teammates. I
0: I think you're missing a couple things here. Also, all I said is, just we can tap Spike. That doesn't mean you have to hold it. You can tap Spike and walk out of the smoke. Yeah,
2: so you tap Spike, and then then disadvantage yourself by peeking out of your own smoke, so someone's watching the smoke, they're not going to start shooting immediately because you haven't been on the Spike long enough to defuse, and then they see you first because your gun is sticking out of the smoke. Like you've just screwed yourself in that case,
0: I'm not saying walk straight towards them so your gun barrel sticks out the smoke, well, you don't
2: know where they are. That's the whole thing you said. you said this is valuable when you don't know where the enemies are, in which case you're revealing yourself before you're seeing them,
1: yeah, peeking out of your I own smoke you're... is automatically a disadvantageous position yeah. i would l- just... I'd rather them peek through my smoke to get to me
2: yeah, just to be clear I'm, know, not saying, I, I'm not I saying I'm not saying it's like never you guys are appropriate. my right?
0: point here but. Yeah, yeah, I'm
2: just saying that I don't think it's never appropriate to smoke off the spike. I'm just saying that I think most often it's more valuable to smoke off positions where the enemy would be peeking from. That That's that's all that I'm saying. I th- I think it's very niche when you smoke off the spike for yourself. Not that you should never do it. It's just usually not the right play.
0: I think it's more than... I don't think it's niche, but like... I don't know. I, I guess I see it the most on Icebox, right? When we're playing Icebox, the enemy team's planted B. And somebody yeah. will drop their Omen smoke to, like, block off that B-long to yellow sightline. line hmm And I'm like, okay, that's great and all, but we haven't dealt with behind yellow. And yeah. if you don't have a second smoke to also block that off, it's better to just drop the smoke on Spike.
4: Is
2: it, though?
0: Drop the smoke on—drop the smoke on— the smoke on spike let someone fuck around with the 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 tapping it versus not tapping it maybe they're on maybe they're not and then force the other people to have to swing out to spam the spike so that your your other teammates can shoot them when they swing out to spam spike
2: or counterpoint you smoke off the long to yellow have someone tap spike and then you both are ready to have either a fair duel but two of you ready for it for, from like outside yellow or an uneven duel in your favor when they push through the smoke from yellow to uh the belong to yellow
4: No because you can't when you smoke off that other thing Yeah. You can smoke off the person peeking from on top of those boxes on lock. Well,
0: like the smoke just doesn't fucking cover it.
4: Yeah, there are
3: three oh, angles okay. well, there that's... I guess,
4: but
0: yeah.
1: It's yeah, less I guess likely they're gonna be up of. there.
0: Yeah. yeah that but depends if I'm on behind. what your
2: positioning is versus. Yeah, yeah, but there's. like
0: if I'm down yeah. low and I see that it's smoked off, you bet your fucking ass I'm jumping up on top of that.
2: Yeah, but also you have well, yeah. teammates. Yeah, that depends. I could, you know, that might be one of the cases where it's good to smoke off the spike for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying yeah. I don't
0: I feel like I see people trying to smoke off an angle instead of just smoking off the spike too often.
2: Another thing I thought about as well, as we just now is that sometimes smoking off the spike is faster than significantly than smoking off the other angles. And that can lead you to want to do it. For example, as Omen, you really just like tap your like shadow view and then tap again to put the smoke down, like right on top of yourself. If you're on spike on spike versus having to take the time to like move it into the correct position. And you know, that half a second could make the difference and then with Viper, if you're not great with throwing your orb to the correct position, it's way easier to chuck the orb at your feet than try to like throw it to a certain angle. So in both of those cases, sometimes you might want to throw it on Spike if you're on Spike just to save time and to be accurate with your smoke because that's way easier. So those are some other cases where I think it might angle in that favor, even if the better play outside of that might be different. Okay, I'm
1: gonna have to end this uh, smoke conversation mostly because I have fucking homework to do, and it's way too <laughs> late for me to start doing this. So mm-hmm. I can I cannot talk any longer about Valorant, unfortunately.
2: Unlucky, unlucky.
1: Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the the shit I get for still being in school. Unlucky, yeah.
0: Fucking whiny.
1: Imagine being in school, cringe. I know, kind of sucks, yeah. but yeah, I'm no, gonna no. go. <laughs> grind my ass off for the next few hours you know,
0: so hunter and i took two equally valid approaches the not being in school and chase hasn't picked up on that <laughs> yeah.
2: that is extremely generous to you of uh, you cast <laughs> <laughs> cast graduated i do not <laughs> no, no but i, you know, like, are in school. But if, I appreciate that cast but i respect, that that but I respect my heart. the
0: play i think that's equally as valid that's
2: graduating yeah is, okay that is the nicest thing i've heard in a while cast unironically that is, <laughs> that is really nice
1: okay Well, on that, um, if anyone wants to help me with my welding homework, uh, let me know, and uh, we will drink with you later.